0: You're going to look back in this podcast and see the inner makings of what these people were doing at the specific time and how they thought about it. There's like, a the blueprint. Yeah, and
1: anyone, you have to find the things that you're interested in and passionate about. You must find that. Yeah. And I know there are some exceptions and some people, you know, they have the discipline to be like, I don't really like this, but I'm good at it and I'll roll with it. And, you know, whatever. But if you find the things that you are good at and are willing to know, it's not always going to be fun mm-hmm. and just get after it and learn Make mistakes, iterate, learn, make mistakes, iterate, or whatever the order is. Anyone can do it with That's consistency. Right. And I speak on that coming from a point where I still, you know, am, am chasing the, the right side of the rainbow here to, to be able to, to say, like, all right, pulled it off, did it right. But I've seen enough people who have done it and I've been through enough, including a lot of failures, to know, like, okay... That's the shit that doesn't work. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and you have to
0: do it. You have to be in there and be willing to say, "Well, I f- that one up." Yeah, no, that's fa- I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. That's literally that's literally facts, and that's what we're trying to project. That's it out into the world.
1: What's going on, YouTube? One quick note before I start this episode with Mike, which was a good one. I hope you enjoy. You will hear in the first 25 minutes a very, very small, slight buzzing in the background. You're not hearing things. This studio, which I call the bunker, if you've heard the show before, it is literally soundproof. I have soundproof curtains. It's above ground. Like, this place is, I mean, it's it's locked and loaded. Apparently, unless there are two of the loudest goddamn leaf blowers that you've ever heard in your life operating outside the entire time you're trying to record. So... For the first 25 minutes, like I said, you will hear that little buzzing, and that's what it's from. And then it goes away, and it comes back for about three or four minutes, maybe a half hour after that. And I think in the first 25, it's not consistently on. So there's sometimes where it's on, sometimes where it's off. My apologies on that. It was low enough that I absolutely didn't want to take it out because I really, really enjoyed the beginning of this podcast. We got personal on some things with Mike. So just wanted to give you a heads up. And with that said, you know what it is. I'm Julian Dory. And this is Trendfire. Let's go. This is one of the great questions in our culture. Where's the news? You're giving opinions and calling them facts. You feel me? Everyone understands this, but few seem to do it. If you don't
0: like the status quo, start asking questions. experimentation and mm. it's because you hear you're polarized because you hear all these stuff from social media Gary V big, biggest example like drop your notebook and do <laughs> fucking something like listen wait. man listen
1: <laughs> you gotta get out there you gotta do <laughs> it's not gonna fucking come to you I was in a liquor store when I was 27 <laughs> I was stacking boxes
0: you're, y- you're young bro <laughs> Gary I'm 69 you're young you're so young he's like stop listening to me right now like don't listen to another <laughs> turn me off unfollow me i love losing shit love on my chest <laughs> come over here and shit on my chest no it was yeah that was it that was the, that was the type of content i was listening to <laughs> right and yeah. at the time like yeah like fuck the corporate world or nine to five i never worked nine to five so i didn't know at the time i was like you know yeah fuck all of this like let me go out there i could do this on my own i'd become a millionaire on my own Um, So that's where it came to experimentation phase. And so the first one actually was Instagram. It was like 2014. No, it was 2016. Sorry. And Instagram wasn't that big yet. It was just starting to blow up. That was, yeah. Yep. Um, And so what I did was I had an account, Cliff Diving Adventures. It was literally an Instagram account of just people jumping off cliffs into water, (laughs) into bodies of water. All right. So before you go into that. How does it happen that you're just
1: sitting around one day in New Jersey in a college dorm <laughs> and you say, alright, I'm gonna make a, an Instagram account right now. What am I gonna make it on?
0: You know what? I think I'll do cliff diving.
1: Like, how does that happen?
0: <laughs> oh, no, you know what? That's actually a good question. I tore my ACL twice Ooh. in high school from basketball and then it was, I was way too early. I was playing basketball again. And <laughs> I just tore it again. So... A nine-month recovery process with a torn ACL, horrible. Yeah. And imagine going through that twice. Yeah. Right? You forget. Sometimes, like, even just walking, you appreciate the ability to walk, let alone do other actual activities. So I was very—that was one of the probably biggest moments in my life where I was the most upset with myself the second time I tore my ACL because I was genuinely telling myself and feeding information to myself that i'm not going to be able to do the things that mm. i was able to do before that the things you that that I I want to I do, yeah and that summer for me that was freshman year of college was a huge summer for me uh because that's really that's where i was feeling a little bit better i was six months out of my recovery and um i started really just adventuring going out like doing doing hiking um and then more specifically like cliff diving Mm. cliff jumping we would find these spots random spots in like PA, New York, uh, even Jersey some spots where it's just it's kind of like pure wilderness and you're just jumping into a river, you're jumping into a lake, you're jumping into the ocean. And it's like one of the most it was one of the most exhilarating things for me personally because that's when I was able to take a look in the mirror and say, "Okay, that was a really low point in my life." Uh, amongst other things of the torn ACL like I was also dealing with it pretty, it was a pretty pretty tough breakup for me at that time hmm And and now I felt like as if I turned a chapter in my life I t- took away that negativity that I was feeling and feeding to myself and said, okay th- There's a lot more to this life and I'm really excited about what's to come and that's what cliff That's really what cliff jumping and cliff diving unlocked out of myself. Yeah, you know, that was my freedom for that summer. And that was the turning point. That was one of the turning points in my life, honestly. So you captured
1: a moment for yourself, basically like a moment in time Yeah, and took that and made it into a product yourself because yeah. it, on a selfish level, it takes you back to that moment and gives you something like when you're making content of people doing this, like, you know how they feel. Yeah. you see them diving off that cliff wherever they are in a beautiful place in the world and, and just the, the freeing and also helpless feeling that is at the same time but in a beautiful way and you're like
2: yeah.
1: oh yeah that was my therapy when I needed it for all these things going on in my life and now in a way it's like yeah. you are and I mean this in a positive way you're selfishly spreading that to other people so they can be like you know what that looks fucking cool I might try that too
0: yeah that's
1: pretty much what it was
0: especially when you're so young you're less cynical of the world yeah and the biggest thing that you want to give back is just that feeling, right, of positivity. It's easy to be, for me, it, it appears that it's easier to be more positive when you're younger mm. because you know less. Yeah. Which is the, hence the less cynical about the world, right? And so that was my biggest goal. My biggest goal was like, okay, I love doing this. I unlocked it. Instagram, I've seen some accounts starting to blow up. Like my brother had a cat account that had... 10k followers at the time a cat account uh his his cat storm which he doesn't own anymore never get never get a relationship with a
1: oh a pet pet with a relationship
0: girlfriend's cat yeah yeah well it was their cat together mitch took care of it but mitch lost the custody yeah never works
1: that way women get the custody man that's how it works
0: i don't know the statistics about it but i feel like
1: (laughs) they're not positive for men i'll tell you that but that's neither here nor there continue
0: yeah um so that's why i got interested i'm like okay if i could is instagram starting to get big you start to see influencers out there cliff jumping cliff diving something that i don't see out and about in instagram right now like let's go ahead and make an account here and and just from that idea that's where it stemmed and like i eventually grew that account like 70k followers thousands of likes per, i was posting every single day
1: day one and where'd you get the content from
0: Uh, it was content started off with my content. And then I realized like, I'm not out here jumping. Yeah. it only (laughs) jumped off so many clips on video after four photos. I'm like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, it was pictures too. How are these people doing? Yeah. They're, they're photos. So no videos, no videos yet at the time, just photos. Yeah. So then what did you do to go source it? Just literally hit up Twitter or what? honestly like what i was doing was i was taking photos from other people but i was adding them and giving them credit that it was their photo oh good for you so i actually wasn't even doing it with permission
1: good good for you though because a lot of people even today still build accounts just like taking stuff and not other people's photos yeah
0: yeah i didn't know the legal repercussions of it and i was was 19 years old so i was like yeah i'm gonna try i'm gonna try this out but as i got bigger though that's when I did start hitting people up. And I started actually becoming friends with people in the community and Instagram, the people that had over hundreds of thousands of followers uh, around their, not only asking them for permission, getting to know them a little bit, even going on video chats. With some of the biggest influencers um, today, Instagram's not as big anymore, but before, there was these two dudes that used to dive D1 in Hawaii and at the time, they had like five thousand followers, and they were making dope ass content. So I was taking a lot of their content. Mm. It was mutual, but today they have like over millions of followers. So I was talking to some of these influencers when they were small time, and that's how that's how much Instagram have has just evolutionized. Can that
1: does it even happen like that these days on Instagram? Because like I talk to, I mean, you know, Luke Servino. So when he talks about like the early days of Instagram, when he was in there and like. 2012 like when it came out yeah and he got a big following and at the time like he wasn't even doing anything now he does stuff so i guess it's worth it but you know i was like dude how'd you do that and the networking of like the early influencers and what became air quotes influencers and stuff they would just like they would go on like comment sprees on like the biggest ones so like Kim Kardashian's account and then they would they would hop into like chat rooms with each other yeah. just to like talk over like how literally only how they're amassing followers. Yeah. And then I guess at some point it also then translated to what you were seeing in 2016 where you actually found people who were focused in in a similar direction with their content and what they wanted to do. Yeah. trying to reach out to other people and then exchanging ideas. And now like I feel like it's such a saturated cesspool that it's like you know how do you even get in touch with people anymore just because there's there's spam in the in these inboxes everywhere yeah. like how do you even send a dm
0: honestly i'm I'm a little bit more out of touch with instagram now just because i'm more focused on tiktok but it back in the day it was a culmination of many things so you had to get to a certain point in time where you didn't have to rely on other software mm-hmm. to help you gain followers so what i mean by that is like i'd be setting an alarm at every single hour to follow and unfollow 60 people for a total of 120 actions of following and unfollowing per hour. And I knew I wasn't gonna get flagged by Instagram because Instagram's not looking at accounts specifically. It's just their algorithm looking for how many actions are taking place per hour. So that's how I was able to capitalize. What I actually did to gain followers of real people was I would go into these other big accounts and just about adventure in general. And I would follow 60 people from the list then I go to my account <laughs> and unfollow 60 people to keep the ratio really good of my Instagram account. You know you, what I mean? You You'd, set
1: an alarm every hour, dude. Every,
0: every hour. I'd be playing FIFA with my boys and we'd just, I'd be like, everyone hear the alarm go off and we'd be like, okay, we know what Laxie has to do. <laughs> I'd be at a party and the alarm goes off. If one, one of my friends heard it, they would laugh and they'd be like, I already know what Laxie has to do. Going to you follow know what I mean? Yeah. They don't have to optimize for the time. Like every time that I'm not doing it, right when the alarm goes off, I'm missing out. That exponentially stacks up over time if i'm missing a minute every single time i would have missed like a shit ton of unfollowing and following after uh, over the span of a year because that minute stacks Mm. up every hour Mm. so uh that's that was one way to get natural organic following and then the other that you mentioned commenting on Mm. uh, commenting big posts just reaching out to people individually Like it was a lot of work instagram is a lot of work it is a lot of work and once you get to a certain point i think it was around for me like 30k followings I didn't have to do that as much just because now I was getting natural engagement and following to my specific account. So when you hit that specific curve, I don't know exactly where it is. That's when you have the luxury and freedom of not having to do too much work. But there's still the content creation, you know. Which is the hardest part.
1: It is. It is. It's very easy to just, you know make fun of influencers and say fuck them and all that with with certain things and sometimes it's well-founded because people post the same goddamn picture every day of the same thing it's all fake it's all whatever but um (laughs) well let's be honest but there are a lot of people out there who may be may fall under that tag from the public and in reality people don't see you know 18 20 hour days they're working yeah. just to create that especially like guys if you want to even look at YouTube specifically and stuff like that like to to create like vlog content like these guys do yeah it's not as simple as like oh i think i'll just record myself today yeah it's not like that and yeah, when not... they're starting out when they're building you know even to get to Fifty thousand subscribers they have nobody working for them it's just them and then a lot of times they have it beyond that where they still don't have anyone working for them and it's it's a hard gig so i I guess you kind of saw that up close and you know you were doing pictures and stuff but you had to be able to go source these and make them be a certain quality and then be able to make sure that like you're going to be able to build on that and do something different because like especially when you're niching yourself into something as focused is like hey i'm getting people jumping off a cliff well you know (laughs) you got to go find that shit
0: that's tough (laughs) building that content calendar it was hard for me to even build past a week just because of how rare that content was so yeah that was that was definitely tough and even the quotes bro i was like every every photo had some sort of motivational quote Mm. and i was running out of quotes i was like (laughs) (laughs) There's only so much motivation. How many times did you Google motivational quote? Oh my god, that you was on all Google in my browser. Pa- yeah, you were on Google page seven thousand. If you type in P or something, you think that's something inappropriate to pop up? No, it's probably like a quote from fucking Prince Charles or some shit. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? Oh, that's uh, that's that's an interesting one to drop right now.
1: Neither here nor there. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad example. Wait, Who wait, wait no, no, that was Prince Andrew. Oh, Prince, Andrew's Prince the Andrew the one, the Epstein guy. Gotcha. Sorry, I got my princess mixed
0: up. Yeah, Prince you know? Charles, the old dude. Yeah, I'm, right, I cool. don't pay as close. I freaked out to a little bit. I
1: was like, damn, I gotta... <laughs> yeah, that's a little... I, don't
0: I gotta know, take like, that out
1: of my analogy. <laughs> Not good. But, so you were doing that, but, like, when did you... Did you have any idea when you were coming out of college? Like, all right, I think generally, like, this kind of space... I, maybe I don't know exactly what, but this kind of space is where I want to be, and then I'll kind of go from there and start to make my plan once a minute. Like, did you know any of that, or was it just totally, like...
0: No, I had no, all I knew is that my degree of electrical and computer engineering gave me options of what I wanted to do. Like I could have been, if I wanted to go into marketing, for instance, like I could have gone into marketing, Mm -hmm. right? If that was something that I was like super interested in. So I think having the ability to have options is what made me at ease a little bit more. You know what else you have though? Cause
1: like you say that comment and for you, you're right about that. There are other guys with that degree who are really smart. And that's not right, though. Like, they couldn't just do anything in marketing because, not to be a stereotype, but they may have, like, no fucking personality. Yeah. Like, you have a very... like you call yourself the creative engineer. I think it's very accurate. (laughs) Not really. Like, you laugh, but seriously. Like, I I always thought that was a pretty accurate thing because you legitimately have that bit-by-bit, piece-by-piece, you know, building creativity of an engineer, which you Mm -hmm. have to have, but then from, like, an emotional intelligence side and, like dealing with people and understanding how other people think and, and trying to get a feel for that, you, you're good at that. You know, that's, that's something I appreciate that. really though. I, I mean it. And you are, you're somebody who I will even go so far as to say is like, when you were a kid, I'll bet that didn't even come as naturally to you. And the mm-hmm. reason I say that is just because I always see you working on that. Even when you probably don't have to, I mean, it's always good to work on stuff, but like you're always thinking about like, "Hmm, I wonder in that situation, like, like how you should, how you should deal with someone like that or how you should, how this person would want to communicate and how I could help them best do that. Like these
0: are abstract things I'm saying, but that's like how you think. Yeah. What, what you just brought up about, it's not natural. I don't think any of that is natural for anyone. People that Mm. are really good at it, maybe have those little cues that they do over and over again or have like templatized something, but don't realize it. They go through, they, go, they do specific things that are actually very engaging tactics, whether that's understanding emotional cues or whether that's conversating. But if you know what those things are and you take that information in, in retrospect and then actually apply that next time you communicate with someone in specific situations, whether it's approaching a girl, whether it's a business meeting, you're trying to sell a solution, um, and so forth, like all those things. And when you, once you actually take those principles and then you apply it, that's when you start to realize like, oh damn, all these people that are really effective in what they do. It wasn't, it, it's actually by design. I would take it a step farther and I would say environment. How's
1: in an environment? People, you know, we, we are psychologically so formed the younger we are, mm. you know, our earliest, mm. our earliest Development, like I'm talking, like when we can't even talk, the little cues we get around us, whether or not our parent smiles at us when they look at us, or whether or not you know they hold us, or whether or not you know they're they're constantly guiding everything we do, or letting us explore certain things, or whether or not they might like if if we have two parents, whether or not they fight or get along, or you know yeah, what I mean, like yeah. all these little cues we get. The younger we are, from an infantile level, the more it it is picked up in our own personality and then that's you know that's also and i don't know the science on this i don't want to speak out of my ass but when you're talking about like learning languages and stuff for example Mm -hmm. which is literal communication and tonality and and flow and all that not just the literal words and vocabulary you learn they're always saying like the younger you are the better and the more you can pick it up because you're more impressionable yeah so there's there's a level to it that You know, when you're talking about where you come from and what you were surrounded by, was it positive, was it negative? Pretty much everywhere has a level of both, depending on what it is, what the context is. People learn to influence others or even like influence themselves based on the stimuli from that environment. Yeah. You know, it's not there's a lot of books written on this from all kinds of different levels, but there are a lot of talented people who have learned to be the way they are based on how they had to respond when they were young and curious enough to not
0: know whether or not they were relying on themselves for survival. For sure. For sure. I'm a huge believer in all of that. Yeah. I know for me, even though I had my environment at home was safe, it was comfortable, but Mm. growing up in Malka Hill, when I first moved here in sixth grade, it was a predominantly white town. Mm -hmm. What happens in school? which is most of my day where that's spent. And the, the people that I'm hanging out with, my parents are just shielded from. They don't know what's happening yeah. there behind the scenes, right? Yeah. So when I got here, yeah, of course, like when I first got here, racist comments, bullied, like you name it from the full spectrum. That was early until I started making a lot of friends here. Like I took that notion, that feeling that I had all the way back when I was in sixth grade, how I felt and knew I didn't, A, I didn't want other people feeling the same way that I felt. And B, just trying to understand why they felt that way towards me. mm you were
1: thinking about that,
0: yeah, yeah. I was definitely thinking about that. I was curious as to why like people felt that they had to say these specific things to me just because of the color of my skin. Would you ask them about it, literally? No, I wouldn't ask about it. I would. I did a lot of politics from sixth grade till I graduated high school, which is why I was like, ended up becoming class president. Oh, right? like like school politics, school po- yeah. not just school politics, but just politics in general. Like people that that didn't like me for no reason they didn't know me they didn't like me that actually affected me as crazy as that, uh, that sounds like that i did care crazy i did care about what people said and as opposed to letting that work me up i learned to instead say okay just understand maybe why they feel that specific way if it's something out of your control it's out of your control if it's something that you could help with maybe something that you misinterpreted or that you missed that you could be better at great i learned something from it right uh, so that that kind of politics I was playing with people at a young age, understanding like different people that uh, that felt some type of way towards me, or how I could become friends with different friend groups, like just spread my seeds out there for <laughs> you know what I mean, uh, to get everyone like interconnected and feeling like positive about each other. That there was a lot of politics behind that, and I think that's where I learned that type of environment. That's where I was. My parents were shielded from that. That was me on my own. I was like living on my own out there in, in a weird way, even though I had that safe environment when I got back home. And you had that recognition
1: at a young age that that there was that line between where your parents saw you in an environment versus where your environment was during the day away from them. Yeah. You understood that.
0: Yeah. And that's why when you talk about environment at a young age, like I'm very thankful for where I was at. And um, my cousins would always joke around, and tell me that you know mike if you don't want to be a computer engineer like if you want to be a school teacher do this do that like don't listen to your dad they always thought my dad was forcing me to go the computer Mm -hmm. engineering route just because because he was like a global director for software engineering for like a mid-sized corporation um so he did that his whole life but for me i never viewed it as like i was forced to have to go to that position i viewed it as at every point in time my dad was presenting to me the current outlook of like, not only the market, but where things are going towards. And what, what do you mean? And I just want to make sure I
1: understand. What do you mean by the market? Because that can mean a lot of things?
0: Um, sorry, just like the global outlook, really. Of where, where are things in the world, maybe the economy, things are moving towards, and innovation. And just because mm-hmm. he's worked innovation yeah. in software engineering his whole entire life, he knew things were moving towards tech. But also, what could come from tech? Like, what um what opportunities lie outside of actually just being like a software engineer if you want to do this you want to do that because you have that specific degree that's like very very low level very technical you're able to branch off right and and to do different things so to me to me at a young age i i thought to myself like my cousins didn't actually understand that because it was maybe their environment that didn't teach them specifically about realistic things maybe how the way the world works. It was more of their environment, either not like parenting them as much at all, or more so it's like it wasn't, there was conversations that weren't being had behind the scenes that are being very, very very realistic about the state of the current world, how it works, and, and so forth.
1: So you were, and it sounds like obviously your dad was a huge impact on this, but you were very tactical- and listening to you talk about this earlier, like, it's pretty clear. You were very tactical about the applicability of things. So even though you got to college and you were an electrical engineer, what was the full name of it? Uh, Electrical
0: and computer engineering. Okay. Electrical and computer engineering.
1: (laughs) Smart shit. Anyway, when you were there, even if you didn't know where you wanted to apply that yet, you had an understanding, even just going into college and saying, like, all right, that's going to be my major. You had an understanding of, like, okay... I know that even if I don't know what exists on the other side of college yet, I know that this major and this focus, this area of study, and some of the 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 soft and hard skills I'm going to get from it, too, yeah. are going to be able to allow me to do a whole bunch of different things. And we always pick on it as the main stereotype. But whereas if you go in and get a gender studies major... I don't know where the fuck you land, really. I mean, you know, there's some people that can go out and get a PhD and write books with that,
0: and that does great, but yeah. how many people get to do that? Well, if you know where you're gonna land, that's a different story. Like I'll advocate, if you do want to be a teacher, for instance, you know exactly at the situation where you wanna be and you understand your financials at that point in time, whether you had student debt, how much you're gonna be making and so forth to be comfortable in that specific position, then by all means, do that, right? Some people have that understanding of the debt. Yeah, but for me, I didn't know exactly, exactly what I wanted to do right after college. I just knew the certain options I had, the salaries that that allow me to do, to like do the things that I wanted to do, right? I only, so it wasn't clear. That's why I just chose, again, chose that path because for me, it was the most options for someone that wasn't really sure of exactly where they wanted to be at. Mm. So at the time, I just made, in my head, the most logical decision based on the information I had. And also not knowing where where I fully wanted to be.
1: Yeah. So you controlled the variables you could control, and you understood there were a lot exactly. you couldn't. Yeah. Exactly. So you come out, and you didn't go to Saros right away. Where? Mm. What'd you do first? <laughs> 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 I'll let you walk into that one.
0: Yeah, I graduated early, um, just because I could. AP courses, and and honestly, I was just ready to. I was ready to go out in the real world. That's the simplest way to put it. I was ready to go out in the real world. I was excited. I, I know a lot of the work I was putting in was just going to come into fruition. Did you have fun in college? I would, I had a lot of fun in college, but I would say this. College, there was a never-ending never thing on the back of my mind anytime I was out or having a good time that I had to be studying or I was way behind in my current subject of what I was doing because it was like that for me I I did have challenges in college it was just it was just a hard major and something I wasn't passionate about it was one of those things where like I had to get through it right I had to get through it the minutia sucks yeah but knowing the minutia allows you to unlock the things that don't yeah yeah so mentally it 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 did take a toll on me just that specific major and that was always on the back of my head and I, I, I always thought in the sense of like, okay, what is my, I know for sure that I didn't want college to be the best four years of my life. So like, how could I set up myself right now to be in a position to have everything and anything? Like, I, let me push back on that though. How do you know for sure going into college
1: that you don't want them or even that they're not going to be the four best years of your life? And how did you define that? Because, yes, if you're talking about like, oh, am I going to be rich and and famous in college? If that's what you want, I'm not saying you do, but I'm saying like, if that's what you want. (laughs) I would love that, yeah. Yeah, chances are, unless you're a fucking influencer, no, that's not the case, right? (laughs) Like, you're going to be poor and having a good time and drinking Natty Lights and, you know, playing beer pong. But, doing some other stuff too. But, just because that might be it, you're still in it, it's for most people, it's the first time you become independent from the household you grew up in, physically, literally. And you go to a a place, as long as you go to college and don't remote or whatever, where you are a part of a set community of people who are all in the same part of their life. And they're all trying to get themselves educated in some way, hopefully. And, you know, they're all partying and having a good time. So when people say, like... Oh, it was the best four years of my life. There are guys who are billionaires who openly say that, you know, and they, they loved everything they did after, but it's more the, the time of your life, the, the youth, the vitality, the lack of responsibility at the time while you're in there, you know, you're responsible to go to class and and do your job there, but the rest of it's having a good time. So why was that like, kind of, it seems like that was a little shut down. In your head like like you knew i mean you literally said it you yeah. knew you didn't want it to be that how that was a very
0: that? fair by the way everything you just said there very fair very fair and i actually agree with everything you said there i think too with something to thinking about with those billionaires they had their cake and ate it too mm, yeah so it's easy to be in that position now where like i had the best time of my life in college and then now i don't know what their upbringing was or how they got to that specific point in time and then now to where they're at now they're billionaires but for most people and especially what I've seen from my friends now and, and a lot of people that I know now, it's like after college, like, okay, what happens now? Yeah. Where am I currently at? Do I even love what I'm doing? Not getting paid as much, like just going through the motions, waiting for the weekends to come. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's just so dull and so boring to me. Right. And nothing is exciting about that. And naturally I'm going to say, okay, that's the rest of my life. I don't not wanna be feeling like that for the rest of my life. Mm. It's not worth it for me to have the best time in my life for these four years and completely neglect what that's gonna mean for the future. Um, because everything that you do, every, every little thing that you do right now is gonna stack up over time and it's gonna mean something later down the road, geometric progression. <laughs> so it's- I love that term. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, I'm not saying don't have a good time because when I have a good time, like. I don't like to skimp out and have a good time. And you know that, right? This man likes to have a good time. I don't like skipping out. That. So I'm not saying don't have a good time. I'm just saying... Yeah, some people are listening right now like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, this kid's a fucking weirdo. He's fucking wild. Man. I am weird. I am weird. I'll give you that. But I care, more about, I care more about where I want to be. So much and so much so that I'm willing to make those kind of sacrifices to get to that, to that point in time. You mentioned specifically, though,
1: the fact that there are a lot of people who come out of college and, you know, start going about life and get down on things because college is over and it was the best four years of their life. And yeah. they thought that going in and now they're saying, well, what is there for me? I think that's what you said. And, and yeah. what's next or what do I do or what is life and what are what are my expectations? Yeah. And th- there's still a level to it to which you had to and have to experience that too just because you don't know for sure like I'm going to land in this thing or do that thing you just have a more focused idea of hey I know the targets of where I'm going and I know that those targets line up to other targets and it'll line up to this thing like the bit by bit part you talked about but do you ever feel like you know even people you're close with everyone who's the, the most brilliant people you know the most not brilliant people you know and everything in between do you feel like they can't they can't exist on on your wavelength of how you see the world and how you see your progression. To use your
0: word in it, mm. it would it would depend. I have friends that I'm just really close with that even just that emotional support and their investment into mm. me is something that means a lot a lot to me.
1: And what do you mean by that specifically?
0: It means even I've done a lot of ventures that have failed. Up until this point in time but they have supported me every single time along the way got my name out there like they were my number one fan so to speak even if they maybe not agreed with a certain lifestyle or what i was trying to do or maybe they thought i was crazy at times they still did support me and so that kind of emotional support is something that's huge especially when you're someone that continuously does things over and over again and you're not going to, it's not going to be sunshines and rainbows, sunshine and rainbows, right? You're going to have like a million failures, but all you need is that one success. So that, that meant the world to me. And, uh, and then as far as like that wavelength and the creative thinking, I don't think I necessarily needed that from my friends and much so where I don't feel like I need a relationship right now because I don't feel like I need, I don't need comfort in that level, right? I don't need someone to, to have that emotional connection with that in that deep of a level to me, that's not at the forefront of what's in, what's important for me. So. Cause st- you feel like you're, I just want to make sure I understand. Cause you feel like
1: number one, your goals and the time you have to put into them and the focus you have to put into them. This is the time to do it. That, yeah. that much is pretty clear, but you feel like you also have enough emotional support from existing family and friends who have been there every step of the way, including when things go wrong and that you feel like that tank of, Fuel, I guess you could say, is is full enough that you don't want to also then feel forced to bring in someone else. And I, I don't want to say that like too transactionally, but yeah, bring no. in someone and I don't want to say tie yourself down, but potentially have to like you're the kind of guy like you're going to give of yourself. You're not just going to get in a relationship and like say, all right, fuck it. You're going to roll with it. Like yeah. you're the kind of guy it's, it's a very much give and take. And so you feel like you have enough that right now you have enough existing that right now. That give and take is is a little less of a focus because you don't need it and you don't want to have to force yourself to do it.
0: Yeah, like of course I'd love to chill with people like Elon Musk and <laughs> you know what I mean, Bill <laughs> I Gates. Where, I love where you took that. People at the forefront, a hundred percent. If not, right now at this point in time, my biggest thing is I don't need to I don't need to specifically that emo, that kind of support from other people that may feel the same way that I do. mm because I already think I have a lot of crazy things going on inside my head that I think about and want to do, uh, and, and that sort of direction. So that's not something that is the type of support that I care as much about right now. Do you worry about like, you know,
1: finding a woman who's going to understand that drive in you and understand like
0: how you think and what you want to do? Yeah. Before, before I was always set on like a girl being as crazy as having that kind of mindset. mm Now I'm not so sure. And I think that's always something that's ever changing. Like, I don't know if I want someone that's not as, as trying to be as busy. Let's put, let's put it that way. And so let me be clear though. Like everything that I'm laying out to you of how I think about things, I don't even know if I'm thinking about it right. Like people say Mm -hmm. life is too short sometimes. And that if you get lost in what you're trying to do or where you're trying to go, you eventually, it would have all which went away right? And you wouldn't have enjoyed yourself. But my only counter to that right now is that I'm having, once you start seeing results, you just start having like a great time. You get hungry for more and more and more. And that's how I currently feel at this state. And that's what keeps me going to like, want to continue to like, put my head down and focus on specific things that I wanted to focus on. So yeah, I don't know the right answer of, you know, where... I don't know if maybe four years of college should be the best time of your life. I don't know if like, if people should be spending so much time focusing on their self and not going out there and just like finding someone who loves you, having like a happy life. Because being happy doesn't mean you have to be rich. It's just like, you're very happy that you're doing like, again, I don't know know all these things. All I know is right now is like how I currently feel and where I want to be. And to me that's the most important thing it's like if i know that's where that i want to be that's my number one focus how am i going to get to that specific point in time as fast as possible so it's it's tough I, I think about especially in the COVID era like when you think about a lot of things that you're doing mentally you definitely sit back and think about what the current state is what's going on and reevaluate where you're trying to be at and everyone feels that way you know i just i always want to even if i feel that way i'm uncertain it's like when you have a bad breakup you just start working out yeah. <laughs> like I'm just, that's what I'm doing. I'm just like fucking doing those things and now starting to see uh, the results for it, which keeps me, which keeps me up going up every day.
1: Yeah. And you have made a habit of controlling what you can control and you have an awareness of it. And COVID is the ultimate test of that because Mm -hmm. I was having this conversation with someone yesterday, but there are some things that are out of your control. And they convinced me on some of that because some things I'm like, ah, well, you know, you can kind of do this or decide to do that or not. And they're like, well, no, yeah. not really. And, and frankly, like, I think they had a better argument than I did. Yeah. But there are opportunities in something like this. And mm-hmm. sometimes that even says that that sounds basically insensitive to say, mm-hmm. but it is a reality because, yeah, we, man is not supposed to be on an island. We're not supposed to be isolated. We're not supposed to be away from each other. We're not supposed to be focused on our thoughts all the time and be in an environment where we're forced to do that. Yeah. But if you fill your time in that environment, and specifically, if you fill your time in that environment with things that you care about and things that you might even be good at or great at yeah. and get better at it, or try the things that you've never had an opportunity to try before and and actually take advantage of a time where... It would be very easy to sit around and say man this sucks all the time yeah you know you can do some great things mm-hmm. you look at a lot of especially in the world of tech which you're in so speaking your language here some of the no, seriously some of the best projects some of the best stuff that rose up to prominence rose out of the ashes of you could even go back to the tech bubble where tech was like dirty word internet yeah. was a dirty word right after that
0: yeah, yeah but the
1: best ideas that had actually had a revenue plan as that bubble burst and was cleaning out it rose up yeah. and that ended up birthing internet 2.0 where social media companies started to come out and facebook things even like amazon that. amazon yeah. came from that amazon's the best example yeah. but there was i think the company i always forget to look this up we'll look it up after remind me but i think the company was alta vista alta was vista. alta vista was like the Amazon before
0: Amazon. I, was a real, I never yeah. even heard of Alta Vista. And no one knows who the fuck Alta Vista <laughs> is. <laughs> I thought I was supposed to know this. So I was like, no, I do no know like who Alta Vista is.
1: I don't even know if that's still the right name. That's why we got to check it. But there was uh, gotcha, there gotcha. was a company that was like, oh, that's going to be blank. And yeah. that was going to be Amazon. And to your point, Amazon had the better plan. Yeah. And Amazon had the better innovation. And Amazon saw the piece by piece bigger picture. They Piece started, by piece. Piece by piece. They started with fucking books, man. Yeah. And the way I I love the video where you see like little Jeff Bezos like when he was a nerd and he's like, well, he was like talking into a, into like a shitty camcorder and he's like, "Uh, tell us your name. I'm Jeff Bezos. I'm the founder (laughs) of Amazon. And he's like looking up here, his other eyes looking over there. Yeah. And, um, and they're like, all right, well, what was the idea? And he's like, well, basically, I did my research, and <laughs> when you look at individual products, there is the most of anything made by it through books. When and was this video made? Is this like a real video? Like, 97, oh, 96. Yeah, this yeah, yeah, early video. yeah, it's awesome. And he's like, the second was music, so I decided on books, and we were just going to focus on that. And that's what they did for five, six years. And yeah. then he went to the next thing yeah and like if you ever want to see your mind blown by what kind of innovation can come out of opportunities where no one's in demand in the market no one's I mean, tech bubbles bursting and people are losing their portfolios and shit people yeah. aren't demanding shit september 11th was happening no yeah. no one's fucking demanding like products and, and needs for them yeah. but he created something that when they were ready to do it again they were going to do it 0809 what comes out of the bubble right there bitcoin yeah. and that's just one example but like Bitcoin's not even a company you know it's an idea that's Form, think what you think. Look at how big that entire space is now. Ten years later, yeah. And now you look at Corona, and Corona is sitting here like it literally created the need for tech, yeah. Because it, it it made people have to be able to communicate more, like at traditional industries, in ways they never had before. Yeah. So like one guy I was talking to who's going to come on the podcast next week, he was it, he was telling me I don't remember the numbers, so I don't want to say them. But it you know it was in it was in the tens of millions of dollars that his company was looking at for funding ahead of COVID. Yeah. Now he had sold a company when he was twenty-one for millions of dollars, so this is like his baby now. This That's is awesome. like this is like the big one. Yeah. And yeah, you know, this kid's like he's still 24, 25. so he's still like, all right, l- let's see, you know, if we can get as much money as we want. Yeah. And he's like, dude, the minute uh, I won't go, in, go into his idea. Yeah, it's pretty mind blowing. Yeah. They already have the product. But was it
0: seed funding, by the way, or was it Series A or?
1: wasn't it series a yet i don't think oh so seed funding
0: like he didn't he doesn't know, you a know physical what product yet.
1: you know what i don't want to speak out of turn on that gotcha gotcha it's not that i'm even giving context but i'm not entirely sure we just went through like high level numbers gotcha, so gotcha. but yeah the, the product exists and everything and it's fucking insane but he was like dude i'm because te- i asked him i'm like you know this has been a pretty good opportunity for tech yeah and i'm like i assume it's been the same for you he's like bro you have no idea (laughs) he's like our pipeline within two weeks of this thing started was so big we had to call people and say i'm sorry like no disrespect we we don't we're not going to be able to talk to you yeah like we don't have time yeah you know and so the people some people like people in tech had the ability to lean in more than others but if ever there was going to be a time that you just say fuck it i'm going after this thing i've always i've always thought about doing this or always want to do whatever now when else the now's the time
0: yeah i know, know it's 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 easier said than done too i know that i know that right 100% but for that in tech specifically like doing things one one at a time people i think the the hardest part about people taking the time right now to say, hey, this is the time to do something, right? It's because they think about, going back to it, they think about this grand vision and tackling all that at once, it feels like you're tackling a fucking mountain. And you know how big that mountain is, so you just you keep on taking it back mountain? every day. You never tackle a mountain? I tackle little bits and pieces. I'm fucking with you. Go on. Dominoes, <laughs> geometric progression, you know this. <laughs> I will ahead. tackle that mountain smartly but people (laughs) that's why people don't i I really believe and truly believe that's why people don't get into something even right now when now is the perfect time you have no other time but to focus on yourself right now they still don't tackle it because they're tackling it in too big of pieces as opposed to bite-sized pieces so alluding back to amazon they started off as a book company right how aws even came about how it shaped the world and everyone's on the cloud now is because as jeff bezos is building up that specific website, getting huge demand, huge traffic, understanding that, okay, because they own all the hardware that's powering those websites, they they host all the servers. They started to realize, damn, at this scale and how much resources we put behind um, scaling infrastructure and also managing, uh, managing that software, we're actually pretty fucking good at this, you know? Okay, we're really good at this, let's build AWS. Let's actually not only show other people how to do this. Let's take it a step further. For people that don't know, tell them what AWS is. Yeah, AWS is Amazon Web Services. And when people say the cloud, it it really just means that someone else is hosting or storing your websites, your, um, your data, it's just not. It's not like your physical, your own computer at your home. It's someone, yeah. someone else's computer, for
1: lack of a better way of putting it. It's basically like being able to log in and use a computer that isn't physical in front of you, and it's hosted by Amazon. Yeah. and they charge you for the data bit by bit that,
0: that you use. They for charge it. you to use that computer, pretty much. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. so it, it started one by one. That's Jeff Bezos didn't like think when he built Amazon. Oh, I'm going to build AWS. Right? I'm going to have one of the largest. A uh, scalable infrastructure, infrastructures in the world that like really infrastructure as a service. He didn't think he didn't think about that at the time. He didn't. It's uh, to
1: go right at that though. It's a little scary what they're doing. <laughs> Just being honest with the Amazon. Like, like I got my one guy who's like he calls me up and it's always like a two hour conversation when we talk, and I know ninety minutes of it is going to be about. The devil of Jeff Bezos and <laughs> what, what he's doing to the world. And the thing is, like, this guy's brilliant. Yeah. And um I, look, I don't know Jeff Bezos. You don't know Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we hear what we hear. Who the fuck knows? There's, but you read what you can. And there's no doubt that he built that brilliantly, as we've put it. And he did it piece by piece. But, like, have you ever looked at the history of Amazon Wikipedia page? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, dude. I, I gotta pull that up. It's When you think about what they've done over the years and you see, it's, it's exponential progression. So, when they start with books, they wait, what, five, six years? To move to the next product, I think they started with like toys or something. Mm-hmm. But then the next time they move to something, they don't just move to one thing. Now they move to like three.
0: They had the foundation in yes. place ready,
1: and and they're staying. In that case, they were staying in the same thing: product delivery, yeah. right? And and support. But over time, what do they move to? They move to like, you know, cloud services. Totally to, vertical into fucking Gratian, man. Yeah. Totally different businesses. They move to logistics supply chain. Yeah, Like we do this all the time. Let's own this third party sales. And then what do they get through the third party sales? They get access to all the data behind the sales. Yeah. Then what can they do? They can come in and they can beat you in retail. Mm-hmm. I talked with Bill on a podcast, Fasciolo about the, what's it called? The Amazon loft or whatever. In New York, you know what I'm talking oh, about?
0: You mean the space anyone could go into? Yeah, dude, they yeah. were they
1: were doing we work while we work was doing we work. Except <laughs> Amazon said, We're not fucking charging. We'll give you free lunch. Yeah. We'll buy the best piece of real estate in the best cities. But guess what? You come in, get you data. give us your- That's it. That's it. But I'm just scrolling through this list. I'll put this in the show notes. But you can see as the years go on here, you know, they start ninety four, they're founded, ninety eight, they acquired IMDB you know, the internet movie database so that they get some, some info that allows for user data online. So that's where they started thinking like, okay, let's think down the line here. Yeah, yeah. And then it wasn't until August 1998, like four and a half years into the company where they said, we're going to move beyond books. Was, to this, yeah. Yeah, just an announcement. And then they actually started defining what that was throughout the early 2000s. But then once you get like into the 2010s, there's like a million highlights for each year because as they get bigger, it's economy of scale, man. Yeah. Now they can be like, all right, we can have a department for this and that'll be their only focus and what they do. Yeah. And it's like it goes right to the concept of takes money to make money.
0: And even the shareholder letters from Jeff, by the way, amazing. I recommend everyone read his yearly shareholder, um, the shareholder letter that he sends out there because he tells you, Straight up, exactly what he's thinking, how he feels the market's going to move towards where they're currently at right now. And that take that I told you about the infrastructure, how they built AWS, I actually took that from one of his shareholder letters back in, maybe it was 2003. They went on a retreat, like all the executives on an island, and they all talked about what's next. And all of them said, hey, we're really fucking good at infrastructure. This could actually be something, you know? He does kind of tell you exactly what he's going to do. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, Outside of buying out all these little companies, and no, but no, but really, it. he
1: doesn't say that. Like he may not say, "Hey, all the companies that make X amount of million to X amount of million, you're fucked." Like, no, he doesn't <laughs> write that in the letter, but he does say, "Like we are going to focus on this, this, and that, and here's and- why." Exactly. Here's how they all relate. Here's why we're focusing on that. Right. Exactly. And it's, if you're it's if you're an analyst or just someone basic reading it who has any kind of understanding of industry, you can tell oh, that's the death knell for so-and-so. Or, oh, that's it for so-and-so. And And now, you know, and the reason I think everyone's thinking about it is because what we're seeing right now is the greatest wealth transfer in probably human history. Ever, yeah. Yeah, and it's happened during corona, and I think a lot of people are looking at this going, hmm, forget just here, it's other places around the world too, other countries... We are basically seeing governments tell businesses who are the bedrock of the economy, who take all this risk to do this stuff, mm-hmm. don't have anywhere near the economy a scale that Jeff Bezos does. Yeah. We are seeing governments come in and say when you can open and when you can't, and then we are seeing things like Amazon decide what's what mm-hmm. and decide, I'm going to go fucking kill that dog. Hold on one sec. we return from this intermission sorry about that anyway right back where I was like people look at this and they go hmm like they get their tinfoil hat on and conspiracy hat but that's the thing we call things like this conspiracies but just like Jeff telegraphs what he's saying in his letters I watch people's actions and I watch the overall market flows and what i see right now and you and i were talking about this earlier we can literally define it by looking even at the highest level of society in the stock market Mm -hmm. you know people are looking at the stock market this year like oh it's up yeah like despite all this shit it's up doesn't really tell the story at all there's a huge thing called dispersion and with dispersion what i mean by that is you see a lot of companies doing better than they ever had before and they're also bigger and so they're dragging up all the averages so like amazon takes up i don't know. I don't know what the percentage is right now, but maybe it's like six percent of the S and P. All the S P. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And who follows them up? The other companies right with them: Google, yeah. Facebook, all these companies who are benefiting from this. So you don't really pay attention to the types of industries that are through the floor. Yeah, and so that's the highest level. Now think about the regular economy, and think about all these places who are being forced to not do business, who are being told and have had the goalposts move a million times on what's safe and what's not, and are being told when and where they can actually perform the duties they do, and all the while, Jeff Bezos comes into some of these things, and it's like a a giant sucking sound during all this. He Mm -hmm. just sucks the whole thing up and takes everything that's in front of him. So when you look at even New York City and you see all the retail stores that I'm hearing about that are closed forever, just in Times Square, Yeah, well... The the people that bought stuff there, and maybe Times Square is a bad example, but you know, you go five blocks down to Second Avenue, and all the retail stores close there. Well, the people who bought stuff there now got to go somewhere else to do it. It's not like other re- retail stores are opening up, and yeah. they're also home right now. So where are they getting it? Mm-hmm. Getting it from fucking Amazon. Comes in and ends businesses. Yeah. So it's scary because yeah, you see great innovation, but I always wonder about that point, right? Yeah. Like he gets really rich before this whole wealth transfer. Obviously, one of the wealthiest guys in the world. Yeah. And he, he gets far past the point where it matters, you know? But it, th- there's, like, this thing that happens where it's about the game.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, It's
1: the game of it. Mm-hmm. But they, there's this chasm that guys like him may or may not cross. We don't know. I don't know his heart, but yeah. I can only look at his actions, where it's like they get so lost in the game, they forget about the common good, and they lose sight of the word enough.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It, you, the word enough because we talked about your grandpa right now and how he's been building things his whole life right and loves to build things even when yeah. he's 80 years old with this this is gonna be a hot take and don't don't hate me for this because <laughs> China's a really fucked up country and, and a lot of things to do i don't think the people in china are fucked up i'm talking about agreed a thousand percent yeah we need to be careful about that too yeah it's
1: very easy to like say they suck, right? And then you drag hatred onto an entire nation. there yeah. it's the same as North Korea, man. In that sense, like yeah, they great are people in there. They're, they're controlled
0: by their government. It's not their fault. Hundred percent. So that was good to clarify that. And I think the ability of what Jeff Bezos is doing right now, and why that's why that also compares to China, is because they have total control of something. The innovation that they're trying to do is how they see fit and their vision. They're able to actually implement that and put that into into place because of the amount of resources and backing that they have. Mm-hmm. Whereas as it relates to the covid you could even relate that to our response as a government they don't have the the totalitarian author I don't even know the word totalitarian authoritarian, totalitarianism totalitarian,
1: authoritarianism whatever word right? here they
0: just don't have that power to even implement that strict of a national mandate they could do maybe these mask laws or or whatever right but having that having that type of coordinated response in america is a little bit trickier and we we all know that right but so going back to going back to Amazon, and what they're and what they are specifically trying to build, I think it's, it's hard for me. And here's where my hot take comes in. Innovation can only happen when it, it happens in two ways of how I see it. It's either, you know, that you're in this specific box. It's like, what can I do knowing that I'm in the specific box or it's understanding how can I get outside of this box? right? Innovation happens in those two ways of how, of how I see it. So the route that Amazon's in right now that's a little bit unfortunate is that they're in a position where they are outside of the box ready and they own that fucking box. Like they could literally do whatever they want, maybe even more powerful than the government right now, just based on the amount of how many, um, not, it's not only going vertical now, it's expanded horizontally, the different, um, the different just industries that they're specifically in. Like, my hope is that I don't want America to be like China in any way. Like, total terrorism, all of that. But what would be awesome is if there was a way for America to get past the bureaucracy and to be able to invest in areas of the future. Like, for instance, if we were to invest in renewable energy, because there's going to be a point in time where it's just way cheaper to be in renewable energy as opposed to natural gas, coal oil that point in time is coming it's going to be it's going to be cheaper per kilowatt it's 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 really close if not already there right now why are we not as an entire nation investing maybe even subsidizing on renewable energy electric cars knowing that it's going to be the future and we are going to be the number one supplier or the number one leader as far as tech in that specific space around the world like china's already investing a lot of resources into that and they're shaping up to be able to be the leader in that space when that time comes because of that totalitarianism government. It's the vision of that specific government. No one can tell them no, right? No one can tell them the fuck off. Hmm. So it, that's why innovation in America today gets like a little bit complicated and I don't know the answer to that. Like where we live in the world right now, United States is the best country in the world. It's just I don't know I don't know how we get to that point. In the way the current government stands and i don't know if you have a thought around that or what i said or disagree with what i said i'm just thinking about it from an innovation standpoint like with with this many restrictions and different opinions and bureaucracy like how that innovation is ever going to be possible with america how how we still see america as you know not from these privatized companies that are shaping the way even with tesla i mean elon musk and spacex Right. They're shaping the way of the future uh, to go into space. But like, how can the government get involved to also be a part of that so that America as a whole, the whole entire economy is benefiting from this innovation as opposed to like the select few and then maybe trickle down economics from there? OK. <laughs> OK.
1: OK. You just I think you just opened up an entire can of worms right there. I think you knew it, too. But I fuck with it. Let's go with it. So, remind me. We're going to come back to, like, your whole Seros into uh, Fire Hydrant thing, which people don't know what I'm talking about with that, but we got (laughs) to come back to a little bit of your path here and and what you're doing. But I like this rabbit hole, so so let's roll with it. So, renewable energy. I'm going to want you to define some of that a little more because you just painted a pretty good picture and gave the high level, but I think we should talk about that, especially because that came out as... A last, Not really last minute, but at least nationally is a last minute big issue in the presidential campaign because of some stuff that got said. Mm-hmm. But let's look at that China thing you just raised. Because, and again, we said this earlier, but Chinese government, Chinese people, two different things. So when I'm referring negatively, I am referring directly to the People's Communist Party of China, which is a scumbag government. Anyway, communism is obviously a terrible totalitarian bullshit form of government that no one should support because it's evil. That said, one advantage that they do get in this whole world we have right now, which is very sad, but it's unfortunately true, is one thing that they do that on the front end is actually very anti-communistic, or however you say it. Mm -hmm. Are you aware of how they, specifically how they subsidize their Mm -hmm. tech companies? Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you are any kind of company looking for funding just any industry you go around you look for investors and in tech as you've alluded to a million times today you go to VC and you pitch ideas that you think can scale with new ideas and products and if a VC likes it they take a flyer on it and they invest a certain amount of money where they think that due to the ability to scale technology they can make thousands of percentage points, mm-hmm. potentially, on, on a return. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a high-risk, high-reward industry, because a lot of ideas never make any money, but the ones that do, they make a lot. Yeah. So, with the Chinese Communist government, it's like anything else. It has a power structure. So you have Xi Jinping, Winnie the Pooh at the top, if you know, you know, <laughs> and um, down towards the bottom level, not the smallest bottom level, but towards, you have the mayors of towns, even you know, let alone some of the big cities. Mm -hmm. And like anything else, the mayors want to rise up in the party. They're incentivized to try to, you know, become a governor or whatever the hell it is above them and and shit like that. So to do that, they have to appease the party because it's not a democracy. The the Communist Party and Xi Jinping decide what goes. Mm -hmm. So the number one thing that China has been looking at is technology. And they've been doing it for a long time. It's a long game. And you and I have talked about how They were a third-world country technologically in 2000, and they just kept on stealing IP and then Mm -hmm. building on it. It's genius, actually. Like they just – the world let them see their IP, including the United States, worst offender of all, and they just took it and then developed their own shit on it. And over time, especially with that Made in China 2025 campaign that the government started back in 2014, 2015, they empowered the lower-ranking members of the Communist Party – To make a name for themselves through the tech industry and through subsidizing ideas in tech. And specifically, here's how they did it. They said, you know, as a communist government, they have a lot of money. They tax Mm -hmm. the shit out of their citizens. They don't give a fuck about their citizens. And and so they have stuff to spend. And you would think government's not going to spend on, you know the money-making ability of people because they don't want that yeah in tech they make an exception and so what they do is they tell the mayors that they are permitted to pick out you know i startups or ideas that come across them and they're incentivized to do it in tech and they're permitted to act as a venture capitalist the mayors interesting literally so here's why that's important there's a kicker to it very anti-communistic what Mm -hmm. i was alluding to When the mayors go to invest in a project, let's say that I am a tech startup and I'm looking for $10 million in funding. Mm -hmm. We'll use dollars. They use yen or whatever. We'll use dollars. And I go to the mayor and the mayor likes my idea. If the mayor throws $5 million at it, which is nothing to them, that accomplishes a few things. Number one, it gets me my first investment. I have credibility now. I have people who have bought in so when I go to the rest of investors to try to fill it out, I'm not saying, hey, I'm at zero right now. I really need you. Yeah. Now I have a like to stand on. Number two, it is literally the government who controls everything and everyone has to look to for guidance on everything yeah. who has decided to invest with the people's money into this. Yeah. So it is another level of, oh, the government likes it. Oh, and we want to do right by the government. So let's help them out. The third thing is what makes the difference, though. And that is they cap their return. So if I'm that mayor and I invest 5 million, this is fucking genius. And I invest that 5 million into that project that's looking for 10 million. Mm -hmm. I may say to them, like they cap it low. They'll say the maximum return we the government can get is 8%. Now, if I'm that company now and I go to raise that other 5 million dollars, I want the best companies, the best VCs I can get, right? Yeah. Because they have the best resources, the best help, whatever. Yeah. So now, if a VC was going to evaluate a full $10 million investment at a return of 1,000% maybe mm-hmm. on, a, on the upside, now with 5 million of that money capped already at 8%, the difference between the 8% and the 1,000 gets to go into the other pool. So if you're a venture capitalist and now you're looking to make a $5 million investment that you would have evaluated at a 1,000% return on the upside if everything went right, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: now maybe it's 3,000 or 2,000, whatever it is, whatever the number is, because you have that extra money trickling over. So when you talk about what we got to do here in our own private economy to be able to incentivize the private sector to work with the government and innovate, they already have a – I don't. I don't want to call anything perfect, but that is a brilliant system, and I have to admit that. Mm-hmm.
0: No, it's, I didn't know how they subsidized it. I just know they did subsidize their own businesses, which gave American companies a little bit of a disadvantage. Because if you're getting out competed by that ki- that kind of funding that you just described, eventually, how are you going to be able to compete, right? And that's that's the problem. You know, now we've protected our IP
1: more than we have. That was. You know, Trump is a guy who came in and had never had a computer on his desk. Let's call it what it is. You know, he's he's a boomer, right? And so that was a little terrifying, and got more terrifying as I became more aware—or I hate using this word because I don't even know what it means anymore—but informed on <laughs> informed tech is issues, word, yeah. whatever you want to call it, right? Yeah. And you know there there's an extent to which he's standing up to china and and he was the first president to really do that but he's standing up to them on like manufacturing and stuff mm-hmm. it's not nothing but that's not what they really give a shit about they're already mm-hmm. making money all over the world with that if if yeah. we hurt them with a 10% tariff like yeah it doesn't help they mm-hmm. don't like it but they just continue on the side being able to do what they really want to do, which is be able to build the machines and the software that surpass us. Yeah. And so now we're at a point where China is legitimately – there's like four – Kai-Fu Lee, the venture capitalist of Innovation Ventures, talks about the four pillars of technological advancement that they measure it with. And in the year 2000, we were not only ahead of China in all four, but again, they were a third world country. No mm-hmm. comparison. Yeah. By 2018, they were ahead of us in two, tied with us in one, conservatively, and still slightly behind us in one of them. And the one they were what, still slightly behind in was artificial intelligence. What are the other three pillars? I don't remember the exact terms, so I don't want to give them out of my ass. Gotcha. But they measure it around. It, it's my understanding is that it's mostly like the 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 four pillars all come back to. How software is le- is leveraged, but it includes within it measuring the semiconductors and some of the like physical hardware that goes into creating better technology that can create better software, Got which you. they're great
0: at. Gotcha. I guess maybe it's the capacity of how many transistors could fit in one chip. Correct. Phone. That's exactly it. No, that makes sense. That's where Moore's Law was incepted. But it's, um. tell yeah. people about Moore's Law, by the way. Yeah, Moore's law is the um the definition of Moore's law is that every two years, it's gonna ex- technology is gonna be twice as better as it was before,
1: and it does it in like half the space. I think, right?
0: Yeah, and half. So transistors specifically, it's saying that okay, I could fit a million transistors in this like in the square box. Two years from now, I'm gonna be able to fit two million in that same square box. Yeah, but Moore's law eventually scales out. It's not exponential forever. Correct. At least that's our thought process behind it. But we are still in the exponential phase technically yeah it's waning down a little bit from what i've read but we're yes we're still in that we're still in that phase and like if we're talking about china though here and why this
1: is important because people go okay well they're doing their thing we're doing ours it's not that simple man you know machines don't give a fuck what you think (laughs) we laugh and and it is kind of funny to say but you know, you look at what was a powerful computer built by the government in, say, 1997, it was the size of a football field. Mm-hmm. The same power was built in 2006, and it was a football. Yeah. Think about now. Think about what's, what's in your hand. You have more power in the palm of your hand with an iPhone significantly than George W. Bush had on September eleventh, two 2001 yeah. with the whole resource of the government. So now think about just math. I mean China's got you know billion with a b is billions of people whatever the full final number is a lot more than us mm-hmm. and they have a government who's incentivized to not care about basically the bottom 90% of society mm-hmm. 95% of society they care about the people who are who are making having the opportunity to make the most money and become billionaires and shit because they still, those people happen to usually be in tech and then they get access to all the tech. And that,
0: I mean, have you looked at the TikTok issue at all? This is the TikTok issue? Yeah. I don't know much. I don't know much about it. I only know what's currently going on in the climate of, I know they got like a nine day extension to sell it to another American company. Yeah, which it's basically,
1: don't have to explain it. It's very simple. There's a company, ByteDance, that owns TikTok right now. They are a Chinese company. Mm-hmm. They are therefore at the control of the Chinese government. And despite the fact that they claim publicly, probably straight from the mouthpiece of the Chinese government, that they steal no data and that it is all housed in America, the Chinese government has full access to all the data we're putting in there every day. And it's 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 a problem just because you think about what they can do with that with like machine intelligence. And I don't need to tell you, man, like... It, it, Anyone who doesn't understand artificial intelligence and hears like, okay, I don't know what that means. I just know it's some science shit, tech shit, whatever. We can all understand that the way things learn, the way human beings learn is we take in more information and we keep it, right? And then we use it to deduce in the future. That's what machines do. And they can do it at a non... They don't sleep. They do it at a nonstop rate. And the more information
0: they get, they automatically remember it. It's hard for me to comment on data being transferred over, because you're talking about petabytes of data and the servers that they operate in, TikTok specifically for America, those servers are in the United States of America. So I don't specifically know. I'm not saying it's not possible or it's not happening right now. I just don't know technically how they're transferring petabytes of data over to the Chinese communist government, like in China mainland. Hey, maybe if they have agents in the United States that are sifting through this data, that's a different story. Um, but going undetected, or maybe it is, has already been detected. Maybe it's something that our government actually knows. One of those things they're not telling us. Yeah, that they know is going on. I have, I have no idea. But TikTok as a whole, as a platform, is like incredible platform to me. It's oh, like,
1: dude. Yeah. What
0: What is it different than the information that TikTok's getting from me as a user than Facebook is getting from me or Google is getting from me? Right. Agreed. It's like a pay to play system. I'm not you. These platforms are free for a reason, and everyone should understand that when they're using any platform that's for free the I mean, internet, that's just how I view it personally. I personally love TikTok. I have zero argument with what you just said.
1: I think it's entirely true. I mean, Google, what do people think happens when we plug in search terms into Google and shit? It is, it is complete machine learning inside of our minds and how we think down to the word patterns we use. You know, so of course it is the same sin in that case. The difference is here, and believe me, Google, Amazon, even the social networks, they concern me a lot yeah. like it's a it's a problem and yeah. it, it needs to be addressed and they are you know they have the antitrust suit going against Google that's a good start but it's a little start right yeah the reason i single out tiktok is because the one thing that tiktok doesn't have in common with those other platforms is that they are not from america and they are and again it's a very valid point you raised that can they get all that data over there by what we know frankly the answer is Probably no without being undetected is what I'm saying. Correct is my question. And that's the point What is it that may be out there that we don't know about? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's that's the ultimate question
0: Yeah, there could be many things to it But I think at the end of the day the biggest thing I was worried about about that was not the fact that I love that platform and use it for my own Mm -hmm. personal use but for the fact that What does that say about America and foreign companies that aren't bad actors Coming into America is taking a huge share to the part where the government's gonna say, Hey, you need to give this to an american owned company like you're gonna have to play ball if you're gonna if you're gonna be in America, oh uh, wait, like we're gonna take your shit you and know that, and that's like the other side of it that's too. what we're. that's what worries me.
1: It's tough because you know capitalism is the best system, but everything's got a ceiling
2: mm-hmm.
1: especially with technology because technology, you know. In the past, you open up a business. There's only God only made so many so much land and so many pieces of real estate that you can use to sell that product. Yeah, that's not relevant anymore. Mm-hmm. As long as you can get warehouse space, like if that, like you know, <laughs> it's not like Facebook needs warehouse space, right? Yeah. But you know, looking at the Amazon example, the scalability and the size to which you can take it, and therefore the convenience you can create for the end customer. Yeah, people like you and me. And everyone else, we're gonna do like we have lives, we have shit to do. We're not thinking on the micro basis. We don't have time mm-hmm. for that. So when we wanna get a product for whatever it is, we go to the easiest best place to do it. I get fucking everything I have at Amazon. Yeah. It's the easiest, best place to do it. Yeah. You know, and I didn't for a long time. I held off
0: on that. And then I was like, Well, gotta do it. I mean that's the biggest reason why like to build to get up and running in an app today, for example. The way that systems today currently work, they make it easy for you to plug and play from different other applications to build your own app. So what I mean by Mm. that is, like, say you're Uber for instance, and Uber and Lyft, they're all using Google Maps as API. That's how they have geolocation. API define that for people. Yeah, basically it's like a way to communicate from for one computer system to communicate with another. Maybe like speak the same language, for instance. That's their form of communication. It's like how me and you communicate and speak Mm -hmm. English to each other. That's how we're passing information to each other right now. So Google is communicate basically Google's proprietary uh, Google Maps. That's what really powers Uber and Lyft's GPS. Mm-hmm. So if Google were to ever say, wake up in one day and say, "Hey, we're not going to have this as an available open API anymore. Like you can't just use our our app in your app. Uber and Lyft are just going to have to use their own in house like technical solution, right?" So it gets to the point where like easiest way to get up and ground running is already taking from what already, people already built. But when you get in the scale of Amazon, you're buying what people built. And now it's a part of your own infrastructure. Or if you're Apple, like Apple proprietary, everything proprietary, Every everything we have in Apple, whether it's a phone, Mac, uh, iMessages, like those proprietary things that are just involved specifically with Apple, it's always going to be retained by them, which is where they have all the leverage to keep on continuing to build and buy out, um, really anything that even becomes competition like best believe Apple if something ever competes with Apple specifically and this happens with Google and Apple today they're gonna buy out that company whether it's hardware whether it's software and they're gonna sunset it they're just gonna buy it to sunset it or use it or use it right either one's a win yeah so even though we talk about like everything being open source or e- even when we talk about open source in general or and everyone define has the same, open source too Yeah, it's like Tesla's cars, for instance. Uh, It's open-sourced in the sense where everyone has the same information to how something was built, but they could take that information and build something of their own on top of it. Right, so they basically,
1: and another way to put it would be like, the The nuts and bolts of the software is available for people to see, or whatever it is the product, for people to see, and then they can then add to it if they want to because they have the. It's like they have the user manual. Oh, yeah. this goes here. That it's goes. like
0: here's exactly how to build the car, but yeah. you have to build it entirely yourself. Mm. That's what you think about, like when things are open source. Wild. Yeah. It's it's just
1: it's these are topics that not enough people are aware of and i don't mean to be like the you know person up here pounding the fist saying you guys don't see the storm coming like i don't want to be that guy but like we don't think and i say because i was included for a very long time here we don't think about when we double tap that heart like how that happens yeah we don't think about how the things that come in front of us come in front of us at least now there's like an understanding that like people realize but they don't do anything about it, including me. Like, yeah. that your phone listens to you and shit, you know? <laughs> but what, what, is, what does that mean, and, and where does that line draw? I mean, there was there was another guy I was talking to, like, I don't know, last night or the night before, and I was asking him about technology that he... And he doesn't know. I want to highlight. He doesn't know. Yeah. But, like, he's the kind of guy who runs in circles and, like, is very legit and... Can hypothesize very confidently. Yeah. And I was asking him about like types of technology that he was. I said, if I said X existed right now at Apple and or Google, would you say confidently that I'm correct about that? And every single thing I asked him, he said yes. Yeah. Every single
0: one. Yeah. That's at least been explored, right? They've all been explored. Yeah. We we know that. But it's like, what are you? What are you willing to give up to have this? And that's it. And for me, like I, I enjoy just from someone coming from the tech background, I enjoy the innovation that's happening in the apps that are currently out in the market today and what's provided for me value-wise. Yeah. And what I'm giving, it's not right now, it doesn't hit that barrier of like, okay, I'm not willing to give up this sort of information anymore because this is too much. For me, it's like, I'm willing to give up this kind of data on myself for what it's actually allowing me to do on a day-to-day basis. Like prime example, Slack, for instance, right? I don't know how much information Slack's actually collecting, but for the past, three years, I've been using Slack religiously for <laughs> ventures and also just my professional career. Yeah. So you're a big Slack guy. Love Slack. And that's something I'm willing to give up, like any any information that they have of me that I'm saying through there because it's enabled me to be where I'm currently at today and communicate how I can at this very point in time. You know, it's the trade-off that we make every it's single the day. Short, it's
1: the short-term trade-off. Yeah. It's like you know what am I it, it all comes back to time and convenience. It's what everything in life ever has been. you yeah. know when they when they made the first wheel and rounded a rock, they're like, "Well, now we can roll whatever into fucking town, and that's saves... too bro
0: it's the same as investing like mm-hmm. investing for instance, I'm investing in commercial real estate, in wine, and in the fucking stock market all all on my phone, all my phone and <laughs> how and, are, how are you investing in commercial real estate? <laughs> I use the I use Funrise, love that app yeah. by the way. Yeah. Um, my returns have been great there, but it's to say like the fees to use these robo advisors or these apps are are nominal, right? Nominals low, I believe so. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> for I'm using the context. I'm Filipino, so I'm not sure if that's the correct word for it. Even though I was, <laughs> <laughs> even though I was born here, even though I was born whole here, yeah. here. Uh, so don't use that against me, but the the fees to having these robo advisors nominal and the returns are like great i don't have to worry about day trading for instance i know everything that i'm putting into these apps long term investment i see exactly what my portfolio is i see how much money i'm making the dividends i'm getting in return what i'm invested in and that's all done for me as opposed to having a human being that could have human error right don't know what they're specifically thinking of why they view as something like as important as opposed to maybe AI or a robo advisor would, right? Cause these things they could pick up a million things at once as opposed to what a human can do. So these type of advances, like, I'm fucking I'm about it, right? I don't mm-hmm. have to no one no one in our previous generation, you worked in the um you worked in the financial space before, mm-hmm. like understanding that. This just there just hasn't been a time where this was around ever before. No. And now this is a real thing that not even everyone has picked up on just yet. Like I still have some friends that their companies like providing them, for instance, like a financial advisor to go over their portfolio or to invest. Little did they know about these hidden fees that are that are going to come with it, as opposed to you know maybe getting that money uh, for themselves and maybe investing in the SPY, for instance, right? Just putting it in their own um, stock brokerage account. But it's I'm happy with what technology is providing me today and what that allows me to do. Um, I don't know much about AI specifically because I don't that's something I actually don't read up on enough. But I don't know what there's gonna come a point in time we're gonna have diminishing returns on technology in general. Like maybe that point in time that's fucking doomsday where it's Terminator (laughs) (laughs) three. Yeah, someone coming from the future here and telling us that we're fucking up right now and Yeah.
1: Yeah. Maybe that's already happening. You ever think about that? That could be it could be happening. What if like what if like all this stuff that's happening like the craziness in the world is because like the aliens are already here <laughs> like they just came and they're like the simulation
0: has worked if someone's gonna do it i think it's donald trump <laughs> yeah you know what <laughs> i mean like i
1: wasn't gonna say it but like if, if someone's the does, alien dude it's, it,
0: dude but that's I the thing hope he does he's either gonna reveal it or he's the alien yeah it's one or the other I would, honestly i wouldn't even i'd fuck with him about it. <laughs> <laughs> you're like oh you're an alien you have my vote that would make up that'd make up for everything here yeah he's like i have damning information about the public or just yeah do you ever think about that like simulation theory sometimes what i I think about most that scares me is the fact that if there are aliens out there for sure there Mm -hmm. has to be mathematically statistically there has to be and they may or may not be involved yeah i don't know but the fact that they're not the government's not telling us anything about it that's what scares me because like, what if doomsday is coming and they know about it, but they're not going to panic the American people. And that's also why presidents before us have not said anything about it. That's what scares me. I'm like, there's no way this information that the government doesn't have this,
1: right? You, you say that in a very interesting way. You say, you said right there, and they're not going to panic the people. <laughs> Are you referring to COVID? Interesting year to say that. If you really wanted to go like full tinfoil hat, you could really go with that. But yeah, I, I, look, I don't know what I don't know, and that's like that. Once you get past a certain level when you're hypothesizing things, forget the word conspiracy and all that. It gets to a point where you make so many leaps of faith that it is statistically and mathematically impossible to say if you're for sure if you are anywhere even in the right direction. Yeah. So I don't really know. But when you say something like simulation theory. Which is like the idea that all of this is kind of set up over time and time is a myth and gravity's a myth and all that. And that there are beings that control what's happening here and they've done it before in the galaxy and all that bullshit. Like yeah. when you get there, then it's more like... You're philosophizing. I don't know if that's a word, but you know what I mean. Like you're more or less thinking about what's what's possible versus like. So this guy did this thing with that guy, and then they they handled this thing, and that's why they made this policy, and then announced it. Like once you start going down that rabbit hole like that, where it's not just purely philosophical, it's like it's kind of a waste of time. And now everyone's sitting at home
0: and coming up with a lot of fucking things in their (laughs) heads. So. I can easily say I wake up every morning and have a choice of what I'm doing and then I could all say, but yeah, it is possible that this was already a simulation. Yeah, it gets into like free will and all that. Yeah, yeah. But
1: I want to go back to the renewable energy point before we forget about that. Mm -hmm. So this became like a last minute major issue in in the presidential campaign Mm -hmm. because you had Biden have the slip where he was like, in the last debate, you know, I want to get rid of the oil industry. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to do it I think by like 2030 or something like that, like soon. Yeah. Like that's fast. And we all know not maybe not all of us, but a lot of people know intuitively that like yes, there's going to be better things than oil. We're already discovering those and using those in some cases. Yeah. But like anything else, oil's not crushing the climate it's not great for it but it's not Mm. crushing it if it lasted for another 300 years that's a different story yeah but it's not point being it's not the kind of thing where you need to be like it's over tomorrow we need to phase it out tomorrow because now you're dealing with people in one generation and what i mean by that is like people who are working in that now you create a panic scenario where they suddenly have to leave and learn something new and you don't create a a strong very long-term natural phase-out process whereby oil companies can also reinvent their business and be something new. When it's profitable to them. When it's profitable to them. So you have to create that. So when you're saying renewable energy, what are you referring to specifically?
0: Yeah, I'm just talking about as far as what powers our homes, for instance, right? Just right now we have a good source of that energy is like nuclear reactors, for instance, but it... Renewable energy can mean many things, even if it's coming down to cars, Tesla, for instance, like just lithium batteries, um, just being able to have a sort of market where everyone is driving electric vehicles right now at this very point in time to, unless you're like Elon Musk and you have that kind of capital where you, you can invest a fuck ton of money in, in building these dope cars that everyone could drive. It's not profitable for a business, even, even companies like Shell, for instance, to go all in and renewable right now because right now they're a public-traded company. All they care about is the profit as it stands today. So when the point in time comes where it's going to actually be profitable to invest in renewable energy, those companies 100% will. I have no doubt about it because it's just just pure economics. It's just pure business for them. And that's why I was talking about the possibility of subsidizing for... um, I didn't know what you mentioned about China, how they subsidize, but the i was reading a book somewhere the ability to subsidize these type of things that are going to be innovative and for the future that's what's going to enable us as uh, as a country to get to that point in time faster where it actually is cheaper for renewable energy um just to be broadly widely adopted because we invested the resources into it as opposed to just pushing it off as like a side project for these smaller companies or these bigger companies it was a side project for them to throughout the entire time so that's that's what I personally meant about subsidizing these things like economic standpoint too um I'm pretty sure it was just 2018 or 2016 the Pentagon labeled like climate change as pretty much one of the biggest yeah like not warnings one of the biggest challenges we're gonna have to face in the coming future I think
1: the term is like global something you know I'm talking about yeah
0: Right. So it's actually not only global is it
1: threats or something like that. Global
0: threat. Yeah, exactly. So it's actually in our best interest to be investing in these things from a global threat perspective, but also economically, because we're not going to we're not going to competing with China, like jobs that are being lost here from whether that's steel or whatever. We're not going to get those jobs back. And it's just supply and demand. If China's manufacturing them at such a cheaper rate and as well as labor, we're not. Why are we going to try to outcompete for the same exact thing? when We're not going to be able to here in America. Right. It's a matter of okay what can we what can we compete in when, when people talk about retraining coal miners to be computer engineers that's yeah. like fucking stupid first of all or just you know teach them how to code right
1: learn to code that was that hashtag that got
0: yeah. like people it, it gets it starts getting complicated there when people don't want to leave people aren't even willing to leave a specific area even if you pay them to move somewhere else and there's numbers behind this even if you pay them to move to another location, maybe to get that retraining and have a better life, say that's in New York City, people don't actually, no. they don't like that. People so- People
1: don't like being told what to do.
0: They don't like, yeah, exactly. So th- there's a culminate, it's easy for me to say like, this should, this is what should be getting done, but you know, I'm sure it's things that people think about on a day-to-day now, especially in the government, but it's one of those things just because of the nature of how our government works, the changing, it's just gonna be hard to have that long-term vision And start playing for that future unless you have like an administration there for eight years. That's eight years. It's going to take at least the very minimum that eight years that's fully invested in that and even its predecessors after.
1: Yeah, I would say at a minimum there needs to be some level of consistency, which is tough. And you're stepping on a big egg right now that is – I mean it's a bigger and bigger topic and it's so important because it represents so many of the issues and that is how polarized things are. And when you look at these two parties, and this is why, you know, whenever I can, I speak out against the archaic system of creating two choices that are becoming more and more on the opposite ends of the spectrum for you to to, to decide and basically endorse an entire set of ideas mm-hmm. of, across the millions of policies and say I agree with at least a majority of these yeah. uh, in these two choices, and it's. It's not an easy solution to fix that Mm -hmm. at all it's one of the hardest things i've ever tried to concept in my head and i think a lot of people would agree with me but it represents a lot of the problems and i look at climate change as such a prime example because how did climate change become a forefront
0: issue like when was the first time you heard about climate change maybe al gore's i was young you nailed it but yes i was really young though when that came out i don't even know what age i was yeah, an inconvenient young, truth. Yep, an inconvenient truth. I think it was like 06,
1: 07. I was young too. 06, 07. And you nailed it. That's that's when that was the first time people were like, "Hmm, okay, that's interesting." Yeah. And the problem with that is number one, Al Gore was from one party very specifically. He was a prominent member of, mm-hmm. of the Democratic Party. Your because comments. he had run for president famously and literally almost won, like yeah. lost by five hundred votes, and he painted a disaster over a specific timeline mm-hmm. meaning now when i look at it with all the context we have and you know over the years i learn more learn less sometimes too you know you get stuck in all the noise and i i'm i'm a believer that this is a problem and i've been yeah. that way now for a while yeah. but when he painted the picture he showed you manhattan and he did it in his, in his calm al gore voice it he goes here Here's Manhattan. That's 2012. Click the button like on this documentary. I'll never forget this. He's like, it's underwater. (laughs) Manhattan will be gone. And, and it's like, holy, you know, you're fucking yeah, 10 like, years old holy. watching this. You're like, holy <laughs> fucking shit. And see, in 2012, he was right for about three days because Hurricane Sandy happened. Yeah. And then the water left because it was a fucking hurricane. It had nothing to do with that. <laughs> you know, whether or not you want to say hurricanes have to do with climate change, different story. I'm saying over like, he was saying it's going to be gone. Like yeah. the island in Manhattan is going to be gone. Yeah. And he's painting all these pictures. And so the part of the motivation behind the documentary was to legislate. Because of it, which, by the way, on the idea and concept like, oh, this is a problem. Let's figure out ways to to fix it. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. But he made it so extreme and then made it an ideology of the left that what did he do? It became a part of that party. So what happens? You get this just how, you know, equal but opposite reaction works. The other side then comes in. Doesn't matter if they're like smart, not smart, whatever. Their instant reaction is they're under attack because it's not their battle because the left picked it first in this case yeah. and so the lefty whoever whichever side yells right or left which whoever yells at the first one first and it becomes the face of their party and so what yeah. does a dog do when they're in a corner they bark back and, and they get real desperate and yeah. so you had years there and it still happens in yeah. some cases where the entire republican party said it's it doesn't exist right and now like it seems like based on some actions and let me highlight, underscore, and bold some, because it's very minimal. It seems like Trump at least realizes, like, okay, it's not a hoax, which he called it once. But, like, it's he still, when he was in office, like obviously didn't
0: prioritize it and doesn't think it's a big He's deal. He's smart. He only cares about what his current constituents care about. Yes. And the same as politicians. They're smart. They they know what their people care about. They're, they're not saying these things for a reason. But, like, we talked about renewable energy, but even consumerism, right? For me, as a consumer, to afford either to buy this non-renewable type of straw or just cup in general, or me as a consumer have to invest money to buy these um, recyclable products, renewable products, that's tough on the consumer.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: expecting, it's it shouldn't be up to the consumer. It's tough to ask the consumer to change so that it just trickles down all the way up so that companies change, that's really tough thing to do. Us as a consumer are gonna buy what's cheapest and most convenient for us at that specific point in time that's where i also think the government could help with yes like incentivizing companies yes. to move away from plastics for instance yes and move towards like there's so much there's so much behind it but again it comes down to it, it needs to be something that's consistent longer than eight years longer than one presidential term two presidential terms you know and that's the problem because it can't be political it it can't it can't because now you've
1: had the two sides that documentary was like oh six oh seven we'll check that later either way it's like more than 10 years ago, like almost 15 years ago. Over that time, each side is dug in more and more. So if you talk, if you hear from the Republicans, they're still like, you can't let, like, I think a famous line, I think Marco Rubio said this. He was like, you can't legislate the climate. (laughs) I mean, if you just took his words literally, yeah, he's right. But that's not, that's not correct because you can create, through some regulation, you can create some incentives to stop certain trades whatever industries from doing certain practices air quotes yeah from further harming certain things then on the left you have everyone screaming they keep on moving the date back but the world's going to end they put the climate clock in in you know Times square which historically speaking every death clock that's ever been created is wrong so they're (laughs) going to be wrong about that and they lose credibility every time because when they want to legislate too it's like it's not just like hey let's let's do what's smart it's like How do we get more control? Yeah. And so then people see that, especially people who are, I won't even say conservative. They definitely right away go, fuck that. You know, they won't even listen. But people who are like moderate businessmen and women are, are looking at that going, no, I feel like that is just an
0: excuse to to take away free markets. We gotta do something about this climate, but this is kind of crazy. That's why I'm afraid of polarization, because if people on the left, for instance, get too overworked up the fact that not enough is happening, and that's where that's where more a little bit too far leaning liberal ideas come into play where they're not even taking into consideration the average day American on the other side, what actually impacts them or how that's gonna change them. They just want this change all at all at once. Which is just not which is just not going to happen, so now the rift just keeps on getting bigger and bigger because the right's like saying like this is crazy I don't want this is too many things changing at once, I don't want this shit to change, and the left is just still pissed because they're like it's been years, and this like we're not making movement anywhere, which is just completely opening up that political divide yeah i mean it's it's scary in that sense, and it's tough, and that's why I try to be open minded when I have conversations with uh with people from both sides because I don't consider myself like even though I voted for Joe Biden, I don't consider myself a Democrat. I don't consider myself a Republican. Sure. I only cared really about like three main things in my head, which we talked about earlier. That's the only reason why I voted for Biden. I'm not worried about a million different little things at once because there's just too much in my life going on day to day that I don't have time to be inf- as informed about all those little things. And And I think in my head, the same thing goes for other people out there, whether they're left or right. Some people like life is... Life is life, right? You can only consume so much and only care about so much. So I'm sure other people the either way that they voted, they cared there was like really main key concepts underlying that they cared about, which is why they voted for that specific way and I'm like, "Hey, understand that." You know, power to you. That's the, the whole point of why we're here. Do you ever have you ever read uh Dr. Pinker, Steve Pinker? I have not.
1: Oh, you would love him. Who's, you would love him. Who's Steve? Who's like Steve? Like you Pinker? of all people. He's a uh He's a psychologist from Harvard, longtime psychologist, one of the more brilliant psychologist minds in the world and respected ones. But he, he's written a lot of books. His most recent one was Enlightenment Now. And a key theme that he has across – I won't say all of his books, but a lot of them mm-hmm. – is he focuses on using empirical data and then reason mm. to determine how we're making progress around the whole world, even in places that are still ass-backwards. Yeah. Like, I had an ad in here this morning, and, you know, we're talking about Guinea, and like, you know, it's rough over there right now, like, they're not anywhere close to here. They live in conditions that many of their people that we would never dream of, but even those places, as crazy as this sounds, are significantly better off than they were 50 years ago. Oh, yeah. Right? Facts, yeah. So, one of the things that Pinker points out, and I think he may have used this exact example, I've definitely said this before. But he said, let's look at something like Moms Against Drunk Driving or something like that. He Mm -hmm. goes, so who are a lot of people who join this group? It's mothers of kids or people who were, you know, their sons or daughters that that were killed by at the hands of a drunk driver. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's one of the worst things that could ever happen to a human. Yeah, You are emotionally like, oh, my God. And. It's a very beautiful thing to then dedicate a big part of your life to try to help other people not feel that pain. Yeah. Right? Like it's a great group. And that's – his argument is that great group. But he said – he says, what does a group like that have to trade on? They have to mm-hmm. trade on their constantly being a disaster. Mm-hmm. And even if that – and it's not like they go out there and say, guys, how, how can we make this a disaster today? It's not like that. They're mm-hmm. not out here like manipulating people. They're, they're doing everything for the right reason in mm-hmm. that case. Maybe some other groups aren't. That one, that example, they're doing everything for the right reason. But they do it. By showing you all the bad things that happen. Mm -hmm. So they don't come out and say, like on January 1st every year, they don't send out a newsletter and a tweet and an Instagram saying, congratulations guys, deaths and DUIs went down by 45% last (laughs) year. We're doing great. Because then what happens? Human beings go, oh shit, I guess that problem's almost (laughs) solved. (laughs) And then they they don't get any donations. They get no attention and they they can't trade and therefore legislate on that on that culture of fear Mm. and so now i bring this back to the two parties and we saw the greatest example of the opposite ends this year yeah i'll start with george floyd when george floyd happened there is no one i talked to including like some of the most conservative people i know who didn't watch that and go that is fucking bullshit like that is one of the worst things i've ever seen didn't matter who george floyd was or whatever Mm -hmm. anyone sees a dude neutralized in handcuffs. They watch a video of some guy sitting on him. It's like, fuck, man. Like, Mm -hmm. you're watching a slow-motion murder. The reaction to that at first, like, these protests got out of control because groups ended up taking control of them. But Mm -hmm. a lot of people who got involved in that at first, and, like, you were in some of them in New York, you were in it for all the right reasons. Mm -hmm. They're like, that was just fucked up. Like, we want to show support. It's a beautiful thing that the younger generations have. Mm -hmm. And so, at the beginning there, Trump had a chance... To, and, you know, he did come out and say, like, this was terrible. Like, he, he did. I'll give him that credit. But he had a chance to at least hear the problem publicly more. Mm-hmm. And as the guy who supports, like, law and order and the cops and everything, he had a chance to put some nuance into it and say, okay, I can do that. And I can also say, like, it's not all perfect. Mm-hmm. And we need, we need to fix it. And it hurts other, certain environments and certain races more than others statistically. Yeah. And not only did he not do that. But he responded to it, and this is a bad word to use, but it was comical. I mean, it was, a, it was, it was one of the worst presidential responses I've ever seen to anything. Like, it was so bad. I was, it, like, you almost had to laugh. Like, mm-hmm. I can't believe he's doing that. He did the fucking Bible thing in front of the church. Uh, of the oh, church, yeah. yeah. Like, it was, it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Yeah. So, and I point that out because that was an example of one side, in this case, completely, even if they didn't mean to, through their actions, almost denying a problem. Yeah, and what did that do that pissed off the other side and it should mm-hmm. and whatever came of that maybe some negatives ended up coming of that fine but the beginning of being pissed off about that every right to be pissed off about that mm-hmm. so now you saw the other side of it as the year went on and as the year went on you saw the left side come out and you see all the all the you know social media memes and stuff you know one of my favorite ones favorite in air quotes is like the one every fucking person posted this it was like uh vote as if your 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 sister's disabled your brother is gay your your dad died at, at at 22 your mom is on welfare like every single worst possible thing that can happen to a human yeah. and you know in that case they're telling you to vote against trump which is fine you know you're allowed to put your opinion out there but they're painting a world as if america is this third world shithole of a country where Mm -hmm. we're not doing anything right. And don't get me wrong. We've got a lot of social problems right now, but we can point out those problems because we are that strong as a nation. And so we're constantly trying to perfect. So when we see things that aren't good enough, we go, fuck that. But the fear culture, that's
0: what's leading to a lot of polarization. Yeah. I I feel for everyone on both sides. You you hear hear, uh, conservatives just being like, these people are out of control. These people are crazy when in reality people liberals just want change but then liberals get pissed when conservatives don't see it the same way as they do you know so and it comes to a point where like okay conservatives are just looking at this from a standpoint of what we talked about before it's just unrealistic for all this change to happen at one point in time so i can definitely feel i can definitely feel for what you're saying like that's definitely it's tough dude it's tough. Anyone that anyone cares about, whether it's a product, whether it's the government, it's it's really around the people that yeah. are behind it. Do you think there were a lot of people like you
1: who, whether they voted for Trump or Biden, did so where, and forget actually, actually forget Trump and Biden for a second. Let's take it a level above that. A lot of people like you who voted in this election and either voted Democrat or Republican and did so and wasn't exactly happy about it. They They're just like, all right, well, I'm here to vote. I'm making a choice. And like, yeah, I guess that one's a little better.
0: Yeah, definitely. That was me in 2016 actually, even worse so than 2016 because this election like, it is what it is. I just didn't like Donald Trump mm-hmm. for what happened. But 2016, the only reason why I voted for Hillary Clinton was on climate change. I was worried about what Trump was going to put into place, like reversing what we've done in the past eight years. And that that will just always be one of the biggest points for me specifically. And I absolutely hate Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Um, so I was pissed at the system for that specifically. Like, I was a huge Bernie Sanders fan when I was younger. He's the one that got me into politics to begin with. What so, What did he do to get into politics?
1: Like, what was... When, I want to ask about that. Like, what was the first... When was the first time you became
0: familiar with him, and what was he talking about, and, and what did it do to you? Yeah, just about the social injustice. And, of course, this, this was coming from me being in college, not having my own job, making money. Like, it was being provided by my parents. And just hearing about all these social injustices and this person that every single decision that he's made or every law that he's backed has been for that specific cause of what he believed in. And it wasn't like big corporate lobbyists, mm. for instance, right, on, on what he was passing for. So I, I really fucked with that. And and I thought we were at a, at a point in time where... It was a point in time where that, that election itself, maybe not bigger than this one, it was still a pretty big deal. So all that really combined together to the point where... That's why I got into politics in the first place, starting to understand like now that I'm an adult and now that I can vote. These are all topics I'm interested about. I do America's great, I do want it to be in a better place though. It's like, yeah, um, yeah America's great right now and conservative conservatives say uh hardcore conservatives that is are like, mm-hmm. "Oh, if you don't like America then get the fuck out." Yep. Well, that's not the reason why we're talking about things. We're talking about things because like we love America where we're at, but we also believe there's always there's always better. Okay, so let me ask you this.
1: Because I, I agree, like, and you just pointed out one of the prime examples. You get the hardcore conservatives say, get the fuck out if you don't like it, right? And then you get the hardcore liberals saying, it's place of the fucking worst. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you look at it, like, I know whatever box you put yourself in or don't put yourself in, you look at it realistically and with hope and with With good intentions up front towards what this country means to you. Yeah. Because you know it presents you with a lot of opportunity. The the issue is the conservatives get body bagged online for having that attitude. Mm. In my opinion, more so of that, though, is a response to the left. I will not say liberals. To the left. Like, that's a separate thing. Mm -hmm. Like, liberals are they have an ideology that I fuck with a lot, right? I consider myself progressive. That falls in line a little bit. Yeah, I don't even know what that means anymore. But, (laughs) you know, like, I look at, and maybe we're talking about the same thing and just calling it different, but I look at it like I kind of know most of what I get when I look at conservatives and and what they stand for. They're a little more consistent. Yeah. When I look on the other end of the spectrum, there are kind of your traditional Democrat liberals. And then there are leftists. And so a lot of the policy points in... There's a couple things like fiscally I'm probably a little conservative on.
2: Mm-hmm, but a lot same. of the
1: policy points on the liberal, traditional liberal standpoint, that's that's where I fall. Including, by the way, like dovishness or whatever they say. Where like in foreign policy, you're not a hawk. You're not trying to go out there and just create endless wars and shit like that. Which mm-hmm. now, like, everyone in Washington abandoned. Really until Trump, actually. But, you know... When I look at this, a lot of the response of the conservatives, like that whole side, is to the loudest voices on the other end of the spectrum who happen Mm. to be the leftists, who are the most extreme. Who, by the way, preach a lot of things and then practice the opposite. Like they preach openness and love and we're just all about you. But the minute you say something they don't agree with, they want to cancel you. And they're actually like also racist about shit. Like they god forbid a black person has the audacity to not vote left you know
0: they 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 chastise yeah just because you're not liberal that you're racist it's like dude someone brought that to my attention the other point in time the other day and uh, and everyone that voted for trump is racist for instance right and i was like okay well why that why is that the case i have family members that i know for sure well i'm not gonna say that aren't i know a lot of people that aren't racist that voted for trump what makes them racist for for voting for trump Mm mm-hmm oh, well, the definition of racism changed. Now racism means, like, it's been, you're taking advantage of a system that's been institutionalized even though you don't know that you're benefiting from those yada yada, which I understand what they're saying, but also I'm saying to myself, okay, well, is it fair for other people now to have to interpret a different meaning of racism? Like, now racism means something else and everyone has to abide by that definition change and now they're all racist? Like, to me, that didn't make really any sense and i think the whole the whole idea of being moderate is being able to understand or even understand how to get other people to to at least move a little bit to your your side of things right and then that comes from little bites opposed to saying hey if you don't fucking view it this way you're an idiot right or if you're finally here you do a little bit to get into it like maybe black lives matter for instance right you post a photo blackout it's the first time you have ever publicly in social media have you even gone out there about a social issue, social justice, good for you. Now you have other people saying, oh, well, it's not enough. It's not yeah, enough, it's right? It's never enough. It's never enough. And now those people are like disincentivized to even participate even further because they thought they're taking one step closer to being, they, they already put themselves out there. And now people, are, and, and then you're gonna have people shit on them uh, because it's not enough. So those are things that like I'm not okay with. Uh, and that all comes down to the misunderstanding, miscommunication. That you can't, but it's something you can't expect from everyone to have that same kind of thought process when it comes to these things. I think it's full circle. I think because you just
1: gave one example of it, and in that case, you're focusing on race, which has been a big issue this year, so it's something we talk about all the time. Yeah. Which in in certain aspects is obviously healthy to do, like an important thing to do. Mm -hmm. When it's taken to certain places, though, it becomes like completely counterintuitive and actually hurts the process rather than helps it. Yeah. But- When I say full circle, the left, whoever's on the left, like far left, extreme, right? Full stereotype, pink hair, screaming, fuck the patriarchy, whatever, (laughs) you know, and no hope, unfortunately, probably statistically, many of them carrying college debt they can never pay off because their major that they were told to get doesn't actually have jobs around it, which in a lot of ways is a system that was set up for a 17-year-old or 18-year-old to fucking fail. Yeah. So I empathize with it. Yeah. The other thing I empathize with is one day and it's generalization doesn't go for all of them but a lot of these people were told by older people when they were growing up be it their parents their aunts their uncles their teachers whatever what you think is not how things go you the kid oh oh you have that opinion no 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 that's not how Uh, we do things here yeah And they shut it down and they say, no, 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 run along and play. The adults, that's, even if they don't say that out loud, the Mm -hmm. adults got this. And so when you, we talked about environments earlier, Mm -hmm. when you are in an environment where everything you ever think of is shut down and and told, no, 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 you can't think like that. You, you, no, 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 that's not how it works here, Mm -hmm. which, you know, to be stereotypical, a lot of times people who don't want change tend to be more conservative too. And so they Not always, but they can be the people that then put that on them. Mm -hmm. And so over time, that kid grows up and they're going through puberty and they're getting more and more pissed, and neurons are firing in their brains and hormones and shit. And they're like, oh my (laughs) God, you know, like this is bullshit. And then suddenly one day they wake up and they get out of bed and they're like, fuck the patriarchy. Oh my God. (laughs) Everything
0: I once knew is just out the door. Yeah. Yes. Or it's their foundation to keep on going off into a specific. Correct. And so. I look at those and I see them
1: as a response to it. And I say full circle because now it's become a response where a lot of people who are even like younger conservatives who were ne- have never had the opportunity to be that person to say that's not how things are done here mm-hmm. are being told that they don't have a place at the table. Yeah. God forbid they're not the wokest motherfucker ever and forget conservatives, moderates, people like you and me. Like when I put some opinions out there, people are like, you shouldn't say that. <laughs> and I go... Um, I'm sorry. Is this America? Or you know? do you want me to not speak my mind and put ideas out there? To be f- afraid of what you yeah. have to say, a specific opinion. That's not even far off. They're threatened by ideas. Yeah, They're threatened by debate. And so you have this very negative cancerous circle cycle where two very opposite ends and then therefore the people who are caught in the middle are part of this constant tug of war. And there's no like, hey, we can talk a little bit this way and a little bit that way. It's no, we want everything or nothing, motherfucker. Yeah,
0: It's tough. I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer to that of, of how to fix that. I just know it's what your your world kind of changes once you're able, you're able to open your mind and understand there's not one right way to do something. And that you, you could always learn and, ha- and and have a retrospective of something that you did learn and understand why, hey, maybe this fact, why is this useful? And why should i change the way i viewed this thing before because when you had a conversation or someone something presented itself you're able to like take that information and now rechange where you're currently at i think that's what real open-mindedness is it's not always being open to what someone's saying it's being open to listen if that specific thing that they're saying is more valid than how you currently understand it at this point in time like actually clear-headedly assessing that people
1: um People have asked how Hillary Clinton, through all the ups and downs of her career and the controversy and everything, has been able to last this long and be so relevant and actually almost become like the first female president, mm-hmm. despite everything around her that's known and some of her likability metrics and all that. But there's a book that I know you read somewhat recently, the uh, the Chris Foss book.
0: Oh, Never Split the Difference. Yep.
1: And so I remember, I haven't read that in like four or five years, but- he talks about in that book, and he makes a great point. So Chris Foss, for context, was you know an FBI interrogator with with our boy Jim, and uh, <laughs> but he was specifically focused on hostage situations and for building rapport with people in high stress scenarios where obviously the end result needs to be getting them in custody and mm-hmm. no one dying. Yeah. And so he talks all about communication. And one of the examples he points out is Hillary Clinton. Not he's like, forget whatever she thinks politically or what she ends up doing, mm-hmm. but he goes if when you watch her in the past and I say in the past because he wrote this before the 2016 election this is where she missed the boat in 2016 because she didn't talk to people mm-hmm. but the way she was able to build such a brand and even get past all the baggage that came with her and the things and that were around her brand negatively or whatever she would sit down and be able to hold at least do the greatest acting job of all time if that's the worst case scenario, of having an empathetic conversation Mm -hmm. with people who did not agree with her. And I actually also think that Barack Obama was very good at this too, very good at this. and Meaning, to use the Hillary Clinton, just stick with her for a second, she could sit there with someone who was very conservative and maybe hated her Mm -hmm. and hear them out in a way – and, sp- and communicate with them in a way that made them feel like they were actually heard. Yeah. And so maybe she's never going to do any of the ideas that they say because either she's already decided that, we don't know, yeah. or they don't convince her and make a better argument. Mm-hmm. But they at least feel like – she makes them feel like they had a seat at the table to let those ideas enter the forum and win Mm -hmm. or lose. And so she therefore gained the respect. I'm not saying like conservatives went and voted for her, but I'm saying she gained the respect to some people and set that example for a lot of people. Like,
0: oh, she gets it. She listens. Yeah. That was validation. Yeah. That's all they really wanted was validation that, hey, someone's actually listening to something that I'm saying. Yeah. And and it's, you know, you're always going to get,
1: especially when you're in politics, like you're going to get people from the opposite side coming up with gotcha moments. Like they do it all the time. And I I get it. And, you know, sometimes it's like
0: they come up and say the exact opposite thing of whatever it is you
1: <laughs> think and you can't sit
0: there and say, I agree with you. It's <laughs> even feedback now, the show, like our show that we have, uh, Project Aeronauts, the same thing We're now just because of the traction we're getting comments that we don't necessarily agree with or maybe these questions and comments or feedbacks coming from a demographic that we didn't mean to target, which is like females, for instance, because we're, we're four men specifically. It's always interesting because now... Th- I, I could empathize with influencers today in the sense where, like, everything that you say, people want—it's like, who are you going to please here, right? People want to feel validated. Like, someone's actually listening to them. You could say it back to them what they were actually thinking, which is a skill set we talked about and Never Split a Difference. So that's, that's important. But at the same time, you also don't want to change your brand or what you're doing for the minority of these people that might be saying or feel, like, a different way or a little bit outlandish, right? Yeah. So that's something that I'm struggling with today as far as just being just being out there now. Like a lot of my content is just completely out there. My employers can see this, my family, everyone. And this is gonna be content that's always there so it could be used against me in the future. <laughs> These comments, social media, it's something, it's something that I'm still navigating today that um, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't become one of those acts. That maybe Hillary Clinton was doing before, like, pretending to empathize with people. Right now, it's not. But hopefully, it doesn't come to that point in the future where that there's just so much of it coming in that everything just becomes, like, a fucking act. Right? Well, you wanna,
1: yeah, I don't know if we even did this on the podcast. We might have been on the podcast when we were talking about this. But you were talking about how you care, at least growing up, like, you really cared about other people's other opinions. People say, yeah. and, and in a way that you implied was even, like, detrimental to you because you're so worried about molding your actions around that. Mm -hmm. And with the power of the internet and, you know, being an influencer or being someone with a lot of attention out there, you invite in a world behind a keyboard that you don't know. And I'd love to get your thoughts on this, but one of the trend patterns that I've noticed is that the people who get the longest standing negative stigmas around them are the ones who are more prone to respond to negativity with more negativity, mm-hmm. and do it in a very public way. I mean, you could look at James Charles. You and recently he was involved in this one, but like the Charlie D'Amelio girl, mm-hmm. and how she decided to respond to that. Um, who are some? I'm going to forget some names, but the way they respond to this stuff is: first of all, they respond to it in the first place, and secondly, they get real defensive. Mm-hmm. And so the mob mentality in that case is: oh, we got him. Like, it's just human nature. It's like, oh, we have control and
0: power over them now. That's scary. Yeah. If uh, if I was her, like, I'd be scared shitless. I'm 16, 17 years old, and there's millions of people that are looking at every single thing I do. Everything I say could all be used against me. Like, that's kind of scary. As as awesome as that is. And the trade-off is she's making a fuck ton of money. Yeah. She's set for life,
1: you know? So you have to have that reality too, meaning people can use shit against you.
0: How much is it really going to affect, you know, yeah. your bottom line? Or is this going to matter in the future as long as you're not saying some crazy, exact crazy shit?
1: Whereas if you're the idiot on Instagram with 10 followers, you know, screaming out about, you know, the Illuminati. <laughs> yeah, you know, a future employer, if that's public, might be like, all right, this is a kook bag, yeah. And now you have no leverage, right? Yeah. Um, but there's not... There's not that problem when you're at a certain size. And I noticed that some of the bigger influencers or figures online who just ignore it, literally don't respond to any of it, no matter what's said about them, mm-hmm. it never sticks.
0: These people get really, it's like they, the, the mob gets tired yeah. and they they move on. Same thing that happened with Charlie, right? That's like what we did. There was one video that we had like hundreds of comments about Pacific Islanders. Like we were fucking around about well, this was true. We used to mark Pacific Islanders and SATs, <laughs> official documents. Yeah, yeah. I genuinely didn't know what the fuck a Pacific Islander was. Yeah. But a lot of people, hundreds of people felt the need to comment and say and talk about that topic extensively. Right? And it came to a point where there was a lot of there was a lot of like stupid ass comments that were like hate, quote unquote. And there was also the same amount of comments from people defending us. It all saying like it was a joke and or also like hey your facts are actually wrong it came to a point before we started answering when there was like 50 comments maybe but after that we're like we're not even gonna say anything anymore yeah we're just gonna let these people like fight with each other yeah. and we're gonna go about our day like not even address these comments at all and like them a behold the video blew up but we didn't we didn't even have to do anything We just like let people talk in amongst themselves and we just avoided it. And now it's just doesn't even matter anymore. Because at the
1: end of the day, even with those people you represent between watching the video and doing the comments, 60 to 180 seconds of
0: their day one day. Yeah. They do a lot of other things. Sometimes saying more too is what gets you into trouble. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and, and
1: that's the thing. You live with that because you're also the man in the arena in that case. If everyone could do this, they would. I mean, everyone can. They, They can put their thoughts out there and make it public. But if people were actually taking the time to create the type of content you are and put all the work into this and also stand behind or, you know, just say like, Hey, I'm going to say some things, some things will be wrong. Some things will be right and put it out there. There is a credibility that you have and also Mm -hmm. a set of balls that you have to do that as a person that goes for men and women like that. Most of these commenters will never just statistically will, will never be able to say they had.
0: Yeah. And that's why I like, shows and podcasts at this specific age and this specific time in life, because we're coming from a point of we actually have had experience around things, whether that's work, whether that's living in the city and so forth, just, just being a better man in general, right? Like we actually have this experience as opposed to having that type of podcast in college. There are some shows that I do like around, like one of them is called suburb talks. It's called what? Suburb, suburb talks, where it's literally just a bunch of dudes on the table and they're talking about the typical typical guy shit like oh what what would be your favorite pickup line to a girl or oh if your boys if if your boy has slept with this with this girl like would you would you date this girl yeah. like the typical questions that you could ask because you're in college right <laughs> yeah, yeah so that's why shows in this capacity like in, in this one here that we're talking about today it's it's way different and a little bit of a harder thing to nail down um because or no, sorry, not a little bit of a hard thing to nail down, but I think it's a little bit more unique in the sense where now you're actually coming from a place of experience, as opposed to doing something that it's it's very easy to do. It's very easy for a lot of kids to just start a podcast in college and talk about that the same college shit, mm-hmm. right? There's nothing um, innovative of that, so to speak, in my in my mind. How you message it, how you do it, yeah. Or not, sorry. There's nothing. That's not, that's not. There's nothing innovative. That's the wrong way to say it. It's it gets harder mm. to be innovative. You, you, what you mentioned, how you say it might have to change, especially when you're going to spaces that
1: become a hot run, like a podcast. It gets more and more just by volume it gets more and more saturated. Yeah. so when things get saturated, hey, there's a lot of opportunity there, but
0: as it gets more and more
1: saturated, you have to come
0: in with a better and better product like
1: lit it has
0: to, it comes down to like little things now, yes, which is which is always tough. It's like you you have Instagram reels right now and then even YouTube shorts are trying to get in the market that TikTok's mm-hmm. in right now. But they're really just trying to already create something that was already created better than what they have today. Yeah. And whenever you're in that type of catch-up mode, even if you have all the resources in the world, it's still going to be tough. Yeah,
1: and it comes down, you mentioned this earlier, but it comes down to what can you buy to either phase out or,
0: or integrate. <laughs> Sunset or... Yeah, really, sun. think, yeah.
1: about, think about Zuckerberg right now. Like, he's still one of the guys on top of the world, even if he's liked or disliked, wherever you fall on that. But, like, he bought Instagram in 2012 for mm. whatever amount of money he did. It wasn't that much money. I think it was a billion dollars exactly, which, you know, relatively speaking, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it,
0: if he had not done that, problem. Yeah. Like, or even Or even Instagram stories, what they did. Yeah. Because Snapchat's product, is not like it was innovative. It, or I mean, it's not like that couldn't have been copied verbatim, right? They didn't have an yeah. algorithm like TikTok does today for that organic engagement and the amount of engagement they're getting, how long people are actually staying on the platform. Like, that's something that's proprietary. TikTok created a perfect app. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's amazing. I, the guy Tristan Harris, who's been doing like every podcast known to man, the dude from The Social Dilemma. Talks about him like he doesn't even use it himself. He's he's looked at it now, but you know the smallest things, like coming into the app and it plays immediately. It shuts off whatever sounds on your phone, and the sound comes out, and it 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 does not wait. And then you even include the fact that it gives its videos that are short enough to be able to feel like you can invest the time to consume, and also short enough to feel like you can always do one more. Yeah, you know, and, and it's
0: personalized. And it's personalized. It's like what you like. Snapchat's yeah. your friends. it's okay. It's synchron uh, chronological order. Here's the latest story that posted. Yeah, let's go check it out. Instagram added a little bit more to it, where now it's like people that you actually engage with more. That's the story that's going to fill up in your in your story timeline. Mm. I'm not sure if Snapchat's is still chronological from a time. It's not standpoint.
1: chronological anymore, okay. but it's like it 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 does go based off of. It's similar to Instagram in the sense that it's based off of who you engage with more. But I'm not even sure like. Who knows what some of these are doing? Because, like, yeah, I, don't, I don't, there's no. some people that I like haven't, I don't even know who maybe it's because I watch a lot less Instagram stories than I used to, but they'll like come to the front of my feet. I'll be like, who is that? Yeah. And then it's like there. So maybe that's just like because I watch less, but that's the other thing. When you look at these algorithms and the power they have behind it, you also don't, you only know what they tell you, mm. you only know those nuts and bolts you know whereas and and the thing is then we get pissed about that transparency but it's easy to use and we use it and we don't ask questions about how the double tap happens or how comments are stuck here versus there or why this story comes in front of that story or why this one moves to there we don't yeah. ask about that and then we see things like bitcoin we see things like you know, anything in the crypto space or blockchain space. And they came to market saying, we're going to be transparent about everything. Mm-hmm. We're going to tell you how all the nuts and bolts work. And then we end up punishing them for it because then we get to see the inside and we're like, wait, how the fuck does that work? <laughs>
0: huh? Wait, what? Block, blockchain. People want high level. Yeah. And that's what I love about TikTok specifically. It's at the end of the day, all you need is good content. Like we went from zero to 10K following in the span of two months, hundreds of thousands of likes, solely because we were just consistently posting good content. Mm -hmm. You can't expect one thing to go viral specifically, but if you're continuous about it like day over day, TikTok's gonna reward you one way or another just because of how that algorithm works. It's just encouraging you to continue to produce great content relative to like how other people, you know, relative to other people. Like they view your content as great content, they reward you. Yeah. So that's why to me it's also crazy because Instagram's like not rewarding you before, back in the old days, it's not rewarding you for great content. Like you're posting, but you have to find other means to actually get people to engage. Yeah, Instagram's like very closed end. I mean, all the way around.
1: Down to like the fact you can't even put a usable link in a caption. <laughs> you know, like there and it goes back to the API point. You were talking – I don't know if that was on the podcast either, but maybe it was before the podcast. But you were talking about the importance of being able – how different pieces of software are allowed to communicate with one another. So mm-hmm. in this case, like the Instagram app, who what they allow from other apps or other web services to be able to integrate with their app. Like they're mm-hmm. very, very strict about it. So it keeps people in the app, but it also pisses them off because then it's like, shit, you know, I can't – integrate that or this which by the way helps with my business and my ability to make money versus like you even look at tiktok tiktok really lets you off i mean they let you download
0: videos that are branded share oh, so usability yeah. usability because i'd say instagram actually does have good apis like a lot of the bots really? that i was yeah a lot of the bots that i were using the following and unfollowing was because people built these products on top of instagram's apis instagram
1: punishes you you for that though yeah that's the thing oh no
0: they will well they it's, it's strongly discouraged now like if instagram finds out that you're an app that's doing that they will punish you yeah they, and they will find you yeah like, they're they strict know. like there are some they that got it that's
1: are. the point they had to get around it
0: yeah there's no
1: like you are allowed to do this it was like okay how can we like hack around the system yeah. and then sell that to people and again they they crack down on it but tiktok really and i don't know about like the whole following, unfollowing metrics or anything like that on TikTok or how some of that works. But as far as like your ability to coordinate content from outside that app and inside that app and back out is better. Shareability is like yes everything. It's it's everything. And they, like the subtle branding, having the name appear in the top left corner and trickle down to the far right
2: or
0: bottom right corner whenever you share it on another platform. I mean... Anesthetic wise, right? Like Instagram... I do this. I have an aesthetic in my profile. Like, um, it's, uh, it's tailored. It's curated. I've curated content on my Instagram and I'm very proud of that. TikTok, anything goes, doesn't matter. Basic bitch. Like ratio. Yeah. I'll admit it. I love, I love curation. I think it's a nice representation of, you know, what, how you're trying to present yourself as, as I like to present myself, you know, how I like to present present myself, Mm -hmm. but TikTok, anything goes like ratio, for instance, followers and unfollowers, doesn't matter. You could, follow, you could be following 2,000 people and no one gives a shit. Or you could have, You could be following, like, 300 people. You have zero followers. You posted zero videos. But you're, like, a crazy active user and, like, commenting on on mad shit. You know? Like, anything goes on TikTok. Yeah. It all really just comes down to that good content. Mm-hmm. And, and then it always stems back to that good content at the end of the day, which, like, blows my mind. I mean, we could talk about
1: TikTok all day. But we had started the whole rabbit hole of this conversation towards the beginning of the podcast was kind of going through some of the things you're working on yeah and now people are hearing you talk about all these different subject matters all over the place they're like who the fuck is this guy?" Doing? <laughs> so you were at saros maybe we covered that on the podcast i i can never tell i can never tell yeah. towards like once we get halfway through i'm like was that before was it after but you were at saros and now you're at fire hydrant and first of all walk people through how you ended up at fire hydrant because this is a pretty this is a on the fly like okay i just was thrown some shit and now i got to make some lemonade out of said shit i don't think that's physically possible (laughs) but you know what i mean and make a really not great situation a good one so walk through your decision to leave seros and then how you ended
0: up at fire hydrant and how that was not a linear process yeah yeah basically at at seros um, I just, I wanted more money and then also I want, fle- I wanted flexibility to scale. I didn't think I could, I could grow in that company more than I could grow in other ones. The, I felt like most of those needs, maybe half of them were being addressed with my offer from Verizon media. So, so you I, had
1: an offer from another
0: company. Yeah, this was around okay. March. This is the time COVID's like just hitting in New York city i left my i left saros early i I put like my three weeks notice in and i'm like okay i'm out of here i didn't even get an official written offer from verizon media they just gave me a verbal offer at the time <sighs> so i just i just got up and quit and i left I, that's one of the mistakes i made i like put my motions into it yeah. put my three weeks in what date was that that was in early february so what was your last day late uh end of february early okay. in march yeah and for context. For Great his, month, by the way. Uh, yeah. I, think everyone, I think
1: everyone remembers this, but <laughs> corona quarantine officially happened, depending on who you were, either that Friday the 13th or Monday the 16th on March. of March. Yeah. So yeah. literally, not that you could have seen this coming, but two weeks before that, you put in, you, you had already put in your three weeks and you left Saros. And I think you did it, by the way, I'll compliment you on this. You did it in a very classy, forward way. Like you yeah. put in the word ahead of time and you said look I do have an offer I'm gonna take this you know obviously Mitch had a lot of connections with Verizon Media you were very familiar with them and um it was there was no like you did it a hundred percent in in the
0: classy way
1: that you should have yeah and then what happened
0: yeah so it, it turned out Verizon's rent offer came to me and it was like a low ball offer uh, more than I was making at Saros, but relative, I know how much my brother was making at the same company, given it was a different division. Low ball of an offer. And this was March like 12th at this point. <laughs> a lot of shit was going down, but I was thinking in my head, like, I just left. I shouldn't have left right away like that, but mm. I just left this company. I'm not going to join and at least spend another year of my life in this company if I'm not happy off the get go. Like, that's fucked up. I know my worth and I'm not going to be spending my time yeah. with, with, uh, with a company that just lowballed me like that. So I said, no, to the offer, I said, uh, respectably, like, here's what more of what I'm looking for. No leverage at all. Right. Three weeks gone by, like coronavirus hits heavy, the CEO of Verizon media steps down. And then on top of that, I like asked for more money, right? Reject the offer. So it was like a culmination yeah. of everything coming together. They're like, okay, we can't afford this anymore. Oh, and it was on the ad tech side of things. So ad tech industry just went crashing down because of coronavirus. And just define... I mean, people obviously understand advertising, but specifically you're talking about you were... Programmatic advertisement. So like back in the day, you used to buy like an ad on a newspaper. Mm -hmm. Now it's just all done by computers. Of course. That's what you just call like programmatic advertising. So you
1: were on the back end of that, like kind of the middleman with it. Yeah, exactly. Solutions
0: engineer for there. So world ends...
1: ends. (laughs) down <laughs> you have the balls to to say i am worth more than that
0: yeah but a year yeah. is such a long time even yeah. though the pandemic is something that is, is so much uncertainty a year is such a long time and for me i don't have time to wait for a year yeah i'm not gonna waste my time with a year when i know my my value my worth right so they resend that offer entirely they're just like we don't we don't have this position available anymore and i was like damn <laughs> out of nowhere life comes at you fast yeah i was like on the up and up exponential growth and then i just had this like blockage the stop that just hit me out of nowhere so of course initially i panicked a little bit i'm like holy shit, you know this is uh this is real like pandemic is real also questioning the value that i have to to provide at that at that very moment in time but you know woke up the next morning i'm like okay it is what it is i've been (laughs) i've been through some crazy shit already Mm -hmm. like it is what it is I can't control that i can only control where i'm at now um so that's where i worked my ass off to. i really was floating around there wasn't a lot of opportunity out there at, at the at time. At first at first right. uh, but it was the same four jobs that i interviewed for and that process took around a month um, but one of those jobs that i did accept was fire hydrant specifically which so happy like it could all the stars aligned for that specific opportunity and i got that opportunity during um, the heart of the pandemic within a month of like what had happened like i just Said okay, fuck. I can't do anything. I can't do anything about the stupid decisions I made, and then also what just happened. I can only back my decisions I made.
1: And what's the story with Fire Hydrant? How much? So compared to what you were doing at Seros, how similar is it now? And what's the
0: value add of the company? It's completely different, honestly. Like Saros was a platform made for like marketers, while Fire Hydrant's a platform made by developers for developers. So essentially, like specifically, wh- who? Yeah, yeah. Fire Hydrant's around incident response, and that's something that's a big, big topic in in tech world today. English. So, yeah. so say, for instance, like Facebook or Netflix were to ever go down, there's yeah. a lot of shit happening behind the scenes, and a lot of people freaking the fuck out <laughs> of how to get the back, uh, how to get that app back up and running.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And Fire Hydrant is that is a tool used for those folks, for those developers, to get that done as quickly as possible. Facilitate all the communication necessary to uh, specific customers um all of that automated right? and
1: what and what do you specifically do within the process like what's your from a thirty thousand foot view in the air or in the sky whatever you want to say what are what's your role and what are you developing on a day-to-day basis to continue to make that process of getting things up and running faster and faster and less turnaround time
0: yeah. So our, our product really manages that entire incident response lifecycle, even down to retrospective, like understanding why a system's broken, how we can learn from it and get better. That's like the entire spectrum that mm-hmm. FireHarch covers. And then where I come in, I'm I'm a little bit more, I'm a hybrid of pre-sales and post-sales. That means they're already existing customer versus not and, or other, other way around. And so uh what I really focus on is like understanding the current pain points that someone has around their incident Oh, when response they come to you guys today. first. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I understand that. Since I'm a solutions engineer, I understand like okay, what what's your current tech stack? What are you using? Cuz in, in today's world to be a developer, there's a million fucking tools, a million different languages out there depending on how you want it. like it's just it just gets crazy, right? So everyone usually has a different tech stack and it just always happens. And and when I
1: believe I understand what you mean, but just to not get lost in some of the buzzwords, when you're saying tech stack and then different languages that are used, are you talking like literally, you know, C++ versus
0: whatever and figuring out the code
1: end or what specifically?
0: So code, when it comes to code, you can think about it as agnostic, meaning there's different languages, but they all mean the same thing. It's like you talk Spanish, you talk English, like there's different word, There's the words sound different but they mean the same exact thing. Mm. And those are what different computer languages are, essentially, Yeah, right? Some of them are easier than others. But when I talk about tech stacks and you're talking about the life cycle of incident response, you can think about it as like you're in an ER room, for instance, right? You have a monitoring solution. In tech, in tech world, that's like Datadog, SignalFX, like they're looking at the health of your actual systems, like the servers that you're running on. And you, and you relate that to like nursing, for instance, it's just like you literally check the vital signs of someone's like still yeah. has a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah right? When shit hits the fan, when someone ha- like someone's heartbeat's like dim- diminishing, that's when you hear beeping, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Now, that's where alerting tools come in in the modern tech space. You have like PagerDuty or uh, VictorOps, for instance. They're the ones that start beeping, beeping, beeping when mm-hmm. there's something going wrong. Um, now, the actual doctor coming in there and fixing that shit up, that's like fire hydrant comes into play. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of tools around that actual fixing. There's just a lot of like disparate tools about little things that are being done throughout the entire process. You
1: guys are essentially the emergency room for tech and streaming. Yeah, and things they like connect that the
0: tissue to all those tools that are being used, like uh, just streamline into one, like we're the doctor. Now, how
1: much of what you do, as everyone thinks about this, especially like even in tech, where there's specific roles and jobs that you do right now, but are even those jobs going to be there 10, 15 years from now? How much of what you do, or have you even thought about this, do you think is automatable or however you say it whereas like let's say i'm just throwing numbers out you know you have a company like yours 100 employees whatever it is yeah and you know like hey just based on how things are going and what we're intuitively able to do with machines now that machines are going to be able to do themselves in you know 5 10 15 years whatever mm-hmm. you know where we have 100 employees we may only need like 40 to man, 10 years to man this ship. yeah
0: you need less people to man this yeah ship. do you think about that and do you think it applies to what you do right now potentially? No. The reason why I don't think that is because technology is so complex and to be a software engineer is only getting harder and harder mm-hmm. with the amount of tools and languages you have at your disposal, in my mind. Um, so, because these systems are getting ever more complex, it's always going to be, it's going to get even harder to understand how to handle that and manage that when incidents do arise. It's not when your software is going to go down. Your app is going to go down. It's it's a ma- it's not if, if it's yeah. a matter of yeah. when it's going to go down. Yeah. And so as that actually gets increasingly more complex, that's where something like this actually and from what we've we've seen in the market, it, it has an even bigger value add. Especially the nature of a lot of companies today, like especially big companies like banks, they were still hosting, they owned all that infrastructure as opposed to having it on the cloud, like letting AWS own the infrastructure, handle like literally fucking warehouse security, yep. people with guns and shit. Yeah. Like they started to realize, okay, it's actually a lot more scalable to not have to, to put our shit on the cloud. And because of that, there's going to be also migration pains. There's like a million different things that could go wrong in tech. Um, but having something that's that connective tissue, like agnostic of what tool someone's using, what, different, what their tech stack is, and just being able to respond to incidents in general in a streamlined way. Like, that's really... That's why I see this kind of space. Uh, they call it DevOps. In, in our world, they call it DevOps. Dev they call Ops. it site, site reliability engineering. That's a space that's actually, like, growing like crazy. Yeah. Every middleman in any industry ever... You can go back to prehistoric times,
1: right? Every single middleman at some point gets innovated away. Yeah. But every middleman has to start. Like, there's a date where they start. And this is a very... this The space you're in is a very infant type space as a middleman and so one day it'll be it'll there'll be something on either end of you know who you connect where someone's able to just completely take care of it but right now there's so little of what you guys do like especially like even in the competition of other companies doing it that there is you're at the dawn of this middleman era. Yeah. You're in a very good spot. It's not, it's never it's probably, despite like even the question I asked about some automation of specific jobs, when it comes to your company existing and doing what it is in
0: the context of
1: your lifetime right now, it's probably not going anywhere yeah, for it's a early, long time. It's
0: super, super early in the industry right now and we're the best in the market. Like yeah. the competition is is copying what we yeah. do today because we've already built it. Yeah. Like that's how far ahead we are. That's crazy, um, man. It's with a specific nuts. product, so I'm like, I'm super excited about the 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 job itself. Gives me the flexibility. It gives me way more free time, mind you, way more free time. Paid way more money there, and stock option. Like I think the company's gonna go IPO, so I got a lot of stock options there. Like um, financially, not only so, not only financially, but what I'm learning from a startup perspective, because like I report directly to the CEO. That's awesome, brilliant, dude. We're like, I was the tenth employee, now we have like 25, but this dude is he built the product. From ground up, so he came from the software engineering world. Do you guys have a chief of staff too? Not yet, not yet, not yet. Okay, um, but so he
1: literally just deals directly with the CEO a lot.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and he was the one demoing his product before. So imagine, imagine me like trying to understand prospects, like their, what their pain points are, and then mapping that with Firehatch and how that's going to help them. Imagine me performing those demos in front of the CEO, the dude that built yeah the physical product. Like, that was more nerve-wracking for me than demoing. I can't say that these, these people's names just because of confidentiality, but like these huge, huge top yeah. fortune, uh, fortune 50 people, uh, clients, right? That's not nerve-wracking compared to me demoing in front of the CEO who built the damn product.
1: Now, what's the CEO's story? What's his name, and and what's he been involved in? Uh, in Robert photos? Ross.
0: He was a software engineer at, yeah, they call him Bobby Tables, but he was a software engineer Wait, at- Wait, Bobby Tables? <laughs> you got to tell me that nickname. Come on. Where's it's, that from? I don't know. Do you know the I don't even know the fucking comics? There's a comic where it's it's literally a cartoon of someone saying they dropped the database. It it's some it's some tech some tech. Stuff. Oh so it's a confusing story. Yeah, it's a confusing story. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I even know much why. about it, honestly. Continue. Sorry. Yeah, because I've never seen the comic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps dropping it and I'm like, I have no idea what he's talking about. So yeah, this guy was a software engineer at heart. He was the one that was building systems at scale. Um and he was the one running into these problems where they're using a million different tools. They're responding to an incident and it's just chaotic. They're like getting woken up at 3 a.m. in the morning as an engineer, you're just on call. Wow. And so it's like being an on-call doctor, right? It's very, it's high stress. And you're always like looking for your phone to see when something's going to break. We talked about it. It's like when it's going to break. So that's why he's like, I need something that is going to help me do all this shit. Like I just need something that's going to be there for me when I wake up at 3 a.m. I'm not stressed out. And i'm able to effectively like you know, just fix the situation and that's when he started building fire hydrant on the side but eventually became a point where like oh damn yeah i actually have my pain that all that pain that i felt every other engineer is feeling the same exact thing right now like yeah. i actually have something here and that's how that's how the whole thing got started um a, a couple of years back
1: now obviously tech has had like a good run during COVID, by and large maybe not everyone but <clears throat> A lot of tech companies have done quite well, including in the startup space, just because of the emphasis the COVID now put on moving towards products that are out in the tech universe that industries previously didn't consider. Like
0: we got our Series A in March. L- Wait, in like March.
1: before Corona or
0: after? Technically before, but Corona was like still. A- it was like yeah. yeah, yeah. And the tech community
1: they knew that was coming yeah. early. Like they, I got the whispers of that like three weeks before. <laughs> They're like, oh fuck. <laughs> But what is it, you know? And and uh, it, it's crazy to think about too, like how fast that happened and the context of it. it like I will never forget ever going for a meeting in New York on February twenty eighth. Same, I think you're same last day. That my last day. Yeah. And I'm I'm driving into the city. I'm going to be meeting this guy in like an office in the building above um, Grand Central. Hmm. So I get in like I don't know. An hour early, something like that. And on my way in, I kept on looking at the market because the market's just, that was the first day the market was like, it had been tanking, but this was the day where like the Dow went down at one point, like almost 2000 points. And it was insane. And I'm like, I'm looking at this and I'm taking a couple calls while I'm waiting. So I I go down into into Grand Central and I stand in the middle of the concourse, which seems crazy (laughs) to talk about. But I see all these people walking around and there's people of all different backgrounds, whatever. The entire time, I, I think I see two masks. Like, there's nobody wearing a mask. Yeah. Everyone's going about their day. They're eating takeout. They're talking. They're I was wearing masks. Yeah, they, no, no, wearing one one that that no one was. No one was. But that's the point. Like, you know, once in a while, you would see people, especially from foreign countries, like, where it's more norm, they might wear a mask. When just like a, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's the point. Like, I saw literally, like, two people who didn't appear to be from this country, like, mm. wearing masks. So I'm looking around, and I'm just, like, taking... A temperature of it, and I'm like, we're gonna be all right. <laughs> we're, we're, this is fine. And then I remember, like, call. I, I called you like that afternoon. I'm like. Yeah, this Corona thing's bullshit, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, totally. This bro. is like hoax. Yeah, this, <laughs> nah, this, is, like, this bullshit. is bullshit.
0: This is not going to affect us. <laughs> and this. like,
1: that is, I think about that conversation, like Mitch left in, in the background and how poorly that aged <laughs> within about two weeks. And then we're on the phone like, fuck, man, the world's Yo, this <laughs> Yeah, this is real. Yeah, this <laughs> is like, crazy. Like, goddamn. <laughs> but no, to get back to the original point, I just, it, it's crazy because I think about that and all the context of what was happening in your life, literally like smack dab in the middle of this in such a short period of time. Yeah. But- when you join the new company, you were, st- even if it's a tech company and you guys are used to remote and, and used to doing all the things kind of like new school era, you're still joining an entire culture and a new idea with all new employees yeah. for the first time without ever fucking meeting It was a people. lot more
0: technical than my last job too, I'll tell you that yeah. much. A lot more technical. But how, like from with. a
1: personal standpoint, how, like it, it, it seems to me in all the conversations I've had, like you got some pretty serious relationships at, at this company now and you yeah. did that just from, a human
0: level like remote you didn't you didn't meet these people yeah like have you ever met the ceo in person i met them one time we had drinks like when things died down a little bit uh same with there are other directors but what's that like that's what i want to know like how
1: how weird was that and and how real do you feel like the connection was especially when you went to meet them physically in in person for the first time was it like oh shit this isn't the same or was it like no like we did this right
0: I thought the connection was real, but it was definitely weird because I've only seen like the top half of their body and my seat, two of the co-founders, like six foot four and I'm like, (laughs) and you're not, I'm barely five, eight (laughs) as in, I'm not five, eight. I'm like, hello, I'm Michael. Yeah. I'm five, seven. So very short. Yeah. So it was just funny, like just being there in, in their actual physical presence and also being in, in just an environment, a work environment again. Where, like i'm with my coworkers, i'm not drinking again because in Saros that was big that was a big culture just like drinking you guys literally out. had a pub in the office yeah we literally had a pub in the office which was awesome by the way like friday night thursday night wednesday night <laughs> it's like literally every night it's insane wasn't your you just wasn't your founder like scottish or irish or something yeah he was uh he was from uk yeah so. he's a huge yeah, yeah. huge British dude you know i guess likes a pub yeah
1: <laughs> so you haven't had that at fire hydrant so it's like a little bit of a different culture but it 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 obviously was pretty seamless for you
0: yeah being there and i've had a lot of like in-depth conversations with the co-founders as well because the great thing about the startup and the position that i'm in is i know all the ins and outs about even like our board decks to our investors like our quarterly our quarterly board meetings for instance that information is all shared with me what numbers we're trying to hit how we're going through what specific um who who we're hiring like down to the t all that information is always presented to me and they're very open about it, which is another big reason why I joined that specific company. Those are things that I really want to learn about a startup as opposed to the information I could gather at face value from working for Seros, for instance. Like I knew the numbers that Saros were doing because I, I went out of my way to figure out what was going on and talking to a shit ton of different people. It's not like I always had direct access to my CEO to sit down with me and be like, hey, you know, tell me how to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. Right? Wasn't so- that- within fire hydrant different story i like have multiple conversations with my ceo we just like walk through everything together how he's thinking about growing it what's next like i'm a part of that and i'm also a part of directly contributing to fire hydrant scale and growth which is which is all super exciting and i'm not saying this just because but i'm gonna say it again i think fire hydrant is like a fucking hell of a product and i think we have a chance to go an ipo yeah i think I, I
1: i think the idea is pretty if you get there Literally, like, and I mean that in a positive way.
0: Like, that company, dude, they gave me a raise and more stock options without me even asking for it just recently. Yeah. And I'm like, what company, Series A, does this? Right. It's about valuing employees. Yeah. And that's why we have great employees, even though our team's small, that's why we have a great, a great fucking team. So, you also get access when it's that personal, like
1: dealing with the guys who built the product all the time on a level where you can have that bounce ideas off of relationship, you're getting a view into genius. You're getting a view into guys who have kind of been there, done that with certain things, and now they're doing it again. And and they, you know, literally by age and experience, they know more about the world in general, but about the tech world and the patterns that they've seen over their longer career than you, that you now get access to that. Knowledge and that that information,
0: that high level, as opposed to always being low level technical. Yes, right. And so I, we talked about options before, but the options that this gives me is like I I am interested in the VC space, if not leadership, like just in what I'm doing now, but in the VC space of working with early stage tech startups, for instance, right? And having the all the information that you now, this is what this is going to allow me to get to that specific point in time. And I do have relatives that have gone into the VC space exactly from the position I'm in today. But outside of my professional career as well, like I'm doing side shit right now. What I'm learning right now is actually contributing and directly helping me even from Saros, learning from that company as well. All that knowledge is going directly into what I'm actually doing right now and what I have more free time to do, not only because of coronavirus, but because of the position I'm in today with this specific company. Like what has my hard work, this whole entire time it's all brought me to this specific point in time where i have great professional career growth and also the time like mm, very key. i don't i don't have to work like 12 hour days like sometimes i was working at saros and then now I'm, i also just that more knowledge i'm building something sustainable and scalable on the side right now yeah um it's just a win-win you know what i mean and you know COVID is obviously the
1: shit storm that Moved everything on a faster pace. Yeah. Especially, I mean, we've hit it six times now. In tech, obviously, that is exponential. So we've seen some trends born during COVID or at the beginning of COVID that probably were still a year or two away. And now it's like they got put in hyperdrive. Yeah. But based on where we are and everyone heading into these more lockdowns and this never-ending motherfucking pandemic (laughs) and all this shit aside what are you seeing right now where you can cut and you can't predict anything like definitively, we know that, but yeah. we're on a high level view. What are you seeing to the point that you can say, Hey, I know that our innovation in the world is it's here right now, whatever here is. And maybe like I can see three, five years out based on the trends that I have access to understand now from smart guys, like your CEO,
2: mm-hmm.
1: where do I see us heading? Like what it, And you may not know the answer to this and don't feel like you got to give one if you don't. But Mm. where do I see the next crazy disruption happening? Mm. You know, best example, because disruption can mean a lot of different things. I don't want to box you in on on what that could be, but just high level disruption. So like social media disrupted marketing, you know, and it disrupted communication. Yeah. You know. So, where do you see like the next frontier of of tech and and what it's
0: going to do to the average American on a day to day basis? I, I definitely think Internet of Things IoT, Now define that for people for sure. So it's it's the idea that everything in your home is connected to the internet. We're mm-hmm. not just your home; your car too. Yeah. Say your toaster. You just like open up an app, fucking toaster bread. Yeah. No. <laughs> and then get it on your day. Right. It's not. There's a lot of security. Things that come into that into play there, but in general, as far as a disruptive industry goes, sooner or later, all of our homes are going to be uh, revolved around IoT. Like today in logistics, for instance, right now, um, trucking companies to understand the temperature. Shout of, out Sloan. Shout out to Sloan to understand the temperature of the products that they have in 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 their in their car, like the the state of their car that's currently in, it's being driven like thousands and thousands of miles, the different factories that they drop by, maybe pick up new goods, all of that is being monitored by software right now. And they're think about it as, think about it as like smart cars, Yeah. right? Everything mm-hmm. that they have in the car is connected to a device, to the internet, so that they have this information um, and know exactly and have full transparency of what's going on or if they need to make a fix or uh, a, a plethora of things. Mm-hmm. And so that's just talking about a car specifically, but imagine like as we get older in our house, every every common day things that we do, it's connected to the internet and the implications of that, I have no idea. Your your heater and your air conditioning in a lot of places are, are that now. Obviously, you have Alexa
1: or Google Home, a lot of people do, yeah. that allows you to you know, set timers, ask questions, whatever, without using the bits of of your fingers to be able to have to type it in yeah you have uh, i had horo in here he's the chief of staff at eight sleep that is literally your bed is controlled by artificial intelligence that's yeah. connected to an app. Yeah. People's ring doorbells, people's doorbells and the security of their home, their alarm systems, everything is connected to apps. I mean, it's already here, but what you're saying is next level down to, I mean, I'm being ridiculous right now, but down to close. You know, it, yeah. it, it could go like that... Like fully adopted yes, into
0: everything that we do. It could go that far. I mean, I'm someone that's in the tech world, but I don't even, I don't even fuck with Apple's face recognition i've never used it those are things that i just don't actually trust (laughs) so me adoption of full iot like i'm i that's one thing i am worried about the implications of of what could actually happen from a security perspective no you don't trust that but you trust because i'm gonna hit you on this a little bit yeah but you
1: trust maybe trust is the wrong word you are willing to look past some of the
0: same access that you give on like social media apps yeah to me that's a little too close to home no pun intended (laughs) when it comes to it's funny, but that, uh, it yeah, is the truth. It's it fair. is the truth, you know? There's things that I'm not willing to compromise on. <laughs> and face recognition, someone knowing when my face pops up on the screen is not one. Yeah. You know? Well, w- one other thing, and and then I'm going to get you
1: out of here, but I, I wanted to bring up some of the realities of COVID because, you know, look, you're you're lucky in the sense that you've had this great journey going on during this. You're also doing significant things Project Aeronaut on the side as well, which has taken up time and... and You're hustling and and you basically are busy in a beautiful way and Mm -hmm. you're enjoying what you're doing, which is very – it's a lucky thing. I mean there are a lot of people right now who just had their life moved upside down and they are stuck at home and you know they haven't had like thoughts of what they could do in this scenario and they don't have anything and and they're chilling. So – chilling is the wrong word but you know what (laughs) I mean. They are – we are seeing a lot of people – lose their minds a little bit. It's it's a very common thing for people to talk about because what's yeah. happening is not natural. And so, yes, while you're filling your time and, and are busy and can have things to focus on and goals to have, which definitely helps, you know, you have been in New York this entire time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that was hit by the cyclone at the beginning and, and has continued to be a high focus area. Life has been very much quarantined. You're kind of boxed in literally by real estate. There mm. is a total change in lifestyle and understanding of communication with basic people outside. Yeah. You know, we don't even, we're not even able to mouth fuck you to people on the street <laughs> like we do in New York. And it's it's very difficult, especially as someone who loves New York and hasn't been in New York during this time, like me, to see from afar that reality and then know that yes beyond the cities like new york it's extending everywhere you know even people in rural areas are are seeing lockdowns and stuff right now and we're all so lost in our thoughts but how do you you know have you struggled at all with some of the mental around this and how Mm -hmm. unnatural it is for a very sociable i might add individual like you and how do you deal with it
0: yeah it was tough like even Alluding to when I met my coworkers, like even then I felt like a fucking, it, it, yeah. but you know what I mean. Some like some things of how to converse. It's just it's just interesting because you're taking in a new dynamic. Like do I adapt this person up? E- easiest example: Do I adapt yeah. this person up? Do I leave my mask on? Like while we're drinking our beers here are and we, chilling? Are we
1: hugging? Are we, there's like that thing because you're
0: so worried about all these little dynamics already. You're kind of getting lost in like why you're even there in the first place. Like not even having to worry about that to begin with, yeah. and just conversating with each other as human beings. So that's interesting dynamic when it comes to social, but as far as mental, the mental aspect to it, like I do meditate at least five Mm. minutes every single day, like every morning. I try to separate myself from what's going on because everything is revolved around that box that you're talking about. It's New York city, right? Everything's revolved around that box that you live in. Before it was like, even where you work out, (laughs) everything was in that one confined space. And that gets to you sometimes, like even even my days right now, they're not as pretty. It's like, I, I wake up, work, hit the gym, two hours of cutting clips immediately, like two hours of working in a project or not immediately. And then I go to bed. Like the the days get repetitive as Monotonous. fuck. yeah. And it gets to me sometimes, but the only reason why I think it's not getting to me as much as, as it typically would, you feel that repetitiveness is because I'm actually starting to see like the returns of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, and like the work I'm putting in is actually, I'm getting the dividends for it. Yeah. So, I would say, from a mental standpoint, when it gets when you feel as if you're not getting things in return or you're not being a reward for what you're doing, you got to understand that everything was is long term. All great things are long term, and I'm fully bought into that, which is why I've been able to stick around with it, and now I'm in this position that I am, even during like the worst times. That's why I'm in the position I'm in now, because I've always believed in that, and I stuck with it. Like people leave, people drop off early on because it gets mentally exhausting, it gets physically exhausting. But staying on that track is is one of the hardest things you can do, but the most rewarding. It's- now,
1: what, now, what do you do? Because I, I like this, that you specifically at, at the start of your day focus, and it's not that long of a time investment either, which is yeah. interesting. You focus five minutes, you said, on meditation. Yeah. Like, what do you? It sounds like that obviously sets your mental for the day and, and keeps things in perspective. And if I'm wrong about that, correct me. But <laughs> what do you do specifically when you meditate? Because a lot of people, I think, like meditation. They're like, hmm,
0: Yeah. You know. And it's yeah. not that simple. You know, it's not. People do it in different ways. So what what works for you? I do uh, guided meditation because I I have a hard time just sitting there without thinking. But honestly, even with guided meditation, I'm already thinking about a million different things that are happening during mm-hmm. the day. So to be honest with you, I don't even know how much, I know it's helping me because I feel like better when I go throughout my day, not going directly to my email, to Slack and so mm-hmm. forth. Um, but to the extent, it's the whole long-term thing again. I'm like, I know if I do this consistently, build. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm already starting to feel it a little bit, like just not being so attached to, to my job and then also my side hustle. Like, uh, anything, anything I could do that could help me out with that. I'm going to try it out yeah and and to try it out i'm not gonna try it out for like a couple of days i'm gonna try it out for like a little bit that to my routine so i'll let you know maybe like two months from now three months from now I'll let you know like yo meditating has been hanging has huge man. for me like i'll be the first one to advocate like yo you gotta fucking i can see you coming in now hey jules i'm fucking <laughs> meditating man just like blue like the of it jules you gotta get you gotta do this shit not I'm fda
1: approved but bro you gotta get i'm telling you you know well listen man i i know you gotta get out of here and uh get get to dinner so um i'm gonna let you go but This is like old times, man. Every time I have in like someone like you, someone like Mitch, where we took it for granted, I guess, but being able to just kind of talk for hours on end and go back and forth about life and what we're trying to do, where we make mistakes, what we're doing right, everything in between, and kind of having that relatability of people who are at similar points in their life, literally identical points in a lot of ways, you know, trying to do great things. And there's that human connection that we just had all the time before this and and we get to have it a lot less now and now we're also like geographically separated for the time being here and you know it's it's really cool to be able to bring you in here and we do it on camera but we forget it's there and and just kind of shoot the shit like the old
0: days like the kennedy days yeah i'm I'm honestly surprised of how the how long it's been time wise because i feel like we didn't even cover like a million different things that happened even between (laughs) us specifically like um uh We've a lot of funny shit. Like even the story about how I even met you. Yeah. For instance, like my best friend went to Africa and then you became one of my best friends. It's like, yeah. and you're his cousin. You well, know we, I mean? well <laughs> you and I,
1: had to, that's not how we met. Like we were vaguely oh, friends. We knew. Yeah, we were vaguely you're friends for like years. <laughs> we got that. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh. better not have any family listening to this. That was, <laughs> that was years ago. It was dark days. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, like the way that kind of worked out was seamless and neither adam talked about that today when when i recorded the podcast with him like how that just kind of all came together and then he told us all about him we're like you're doing what like (laughs) you know we were all becoming friends before that and
0: then like he left
1: and he's like well julie you're the backup (laughs) which i was like i'm in i'm cool this guy's the
0: craziest connector i've ever met my entire life uh, by the way uh, like he i don't know how he didn't have a heart attack at the age of at the age of 25 years old, <laughs> yeah, I asked myself that. It would sometimes. be about well, maybe you're feeling the effects of it now. Maybe it's not coronavirus. Maybe yeah, it's a uh, all that connecting that you're doing earlier on. Maybe that's what it is with your kind. But yeah, man, I I miss that and
1: um, I'll have you back when you're in town in a month or two? We'll do no, this bro. again because we can actually like dig into some of that stuff. But <laughs> I I like the, I like the intellectual conversation about some of these things because we've been just naturally being busy. We we've talked less about this stuff and exchanged the ideas and you know. Yeah. i'm gonna have to listen to this when i edit it but from first feel like people out there as far as like how this goes when we sit down and just say let's talk about existential shit this is what it sounds like (laughs) like this is unedited uncut like this this is what we do and you know mike's there to be the voice of reason and i'm there to say all the crazy shit really (laughs) loud and him say i hear you now let me tell you why we need to go to the middle on that you know so i hope people uh,
0: could take away too the fact that like we are uh, everything that we are we have alluded to right now, what we're talking about, we're not saying that we have everything down pat, except, no. except we're saying far from it. We're saying, hey, listen, here's where we're currently at, yep. here's why I view it, but when we're rich and famous in the very near future, you're going to look back in this podcast and see the inner makings of what these people are doing at the specific time and how they thought about it. Like, Dude, that is a blueprint. Yeah. And anyone... You have to find the things that you're interested in and
1: passionate about. You must find that. Yeah. And I know there are some exceptions and some people, you know, they have the discipline to be like, I don't really like this, but I'm good at it and I'll roll with it. And, you know, whatever. But if you find the things that you are good at and are willing to know it's not always going to be fun mm-hmm. and just get after it and learn, make mistakes, iterate, learn, make mistakes, iterate, or whatever the order is, anyone can do it with nice. consistency. Yeah. And I speak on that coming from a point where I still... You know, I'm am, am chasing the the right side of the rainbow here to, to be able to to say, like, all right, pulled it off, did it right. But I've seen enough people who have done it and I've been through enough, including a lot of fucking failures, to know, like, okay, that's the shit that doesn't work. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and you have to do it. You have to be in there and be willing to say, well, I fucked that one up, mm-hmm. you know, to, to get there. And, and that's why we really fuck with each other, because you know you can definitely say that about yourself too like you've done and you've done some things that had some some success and you've done some things that flopped and like you just kind of keep going and it's that's a really
0: cool thing yeah no that's i mean i couldn't have said it better myself that's literally that's really facts and that's what we're trying to project that's it out into the world that's it well let's let's
1: end it there dude some mike thanks for coming in brother yeah love you love you everyone else you know what it is give it a thought get back to me peace